2: This is the Ribs and BK podcast powered by I promise. Now here's Ribs and BK.
3: Favorite guy that's available that the Cardinals should really take a look at is David Dahl. He played for the Colorado Rockies last year. He was an all-star and then he got hurt. But before he was hurt, I'm telling you, he looked like one of the top 10 players in the game. And yes, oh, so Colorado skews things offensively. But this is a formal first round pick. You are what you are. He's had a hard time staying on the field. He's worth the risk, if you ask me. That was Greg Amsinger on the morning earlier today, and I
4: gotta
0: admit a little bit of a defeat here, boys. Uh oh. The non-tender deadline was mostly as expected, at least for anybody that listens to this show. They knew you shouldn't expect much in terms of legitimate game-changing players that are going to be available on the market. There was one exception, though, in my opinion. David Dahl, who you just heard right there, a little bit of a background info on from Greg Amzinger, who was on Character and Smallman earlier today, full podcast, 101ESPN.com. David Dahl is a really interesting name that I did not expect to hit the free agent market. He's an outfielder from the Rockies last year. Terrible. 2020 season was absolutely dreadful, but he's coming back from an injury, and that's kind of been the story of his career. He's played a total of 260 games since, since 2016. That's not what you're looking for. But when he's been healthy, he's been quite productive in 860 OPS in each of his first two seasons, 877 OPS in 2019. So this is a really talented player that's an okay fielder, and he can come in right away and hopefully, if things bounce back for him, be a significant contributor to the Cardinals. There were three players on non-tender that are interesting to me. It is David Dahl, Kyle Schwarber, Eddie Rosario. Those are the three Jamie, what was your reaction yesterday when you saw these guys go non-tender?
5: Yeah, look, David Dahl to me was a surprise. He wasn't even on my radar uh, at all. And so, you know, I'm learning about this player as we go. And, yeah, I looked into the numbers. And, listen, you're not going to be wowed by this guy. But I think what you're looking at here is the potential of somebody to come in and make a difference, and the price tag is going to be right on this guy. That's the main thing right now for the Cardinals: is find somebody who can help your team, make sure the price tag is right, and hopefully it's somebody you can continue to build with. Which this is a younger guy, so maybe he's a part of things moving forward. Now, the one that I had touched on the other day that is still available is Kyle Schwarber, and I took some heat on the text line. People typed, "He's awful. He's awful." I understand that maybe he's not up to what we would like to have as a de- uh, defensive outfielder, but if the DH is here, and I've am you know, i I've made a decision. I'm just going to start talking as if the DH is here for the simple fact that uh, otherwise it's just like chasing yourself, Alex. It's a lot of fun, right? It's a lot of fun. It's true, it is. It's a lot of fun, but you don't really get anywhere with it. So that being said, Uh, Kyle Schwarber would be my guy that I would like to circle back to. I think that he's a difference maker. I think that he would help the offense for the Cardinals. Uh, And in a pinch, if you have an injury or you need To give somebody a rest in the outfield, obviously I think he can fill in there adequately But yeah, not much else after that I know Eddie Rosario, the guy we talked about Who was out there as well, and I think all those Guys would be intriguing.
0: And just real quickly, Alex Before you get in here, all three of these guys Would be DH potential candidates They Mm -hmm. could play in the outfield, certainly And you could mix them in there, but The primary position, you're signing Them to hit. You're signing them to Improve your offense, and you figure out what You do with them in terms of where they play every Day afterwards. But as a DH, that's probably the primary spot for any of these guys.
6: And other than Eddie Rosario, the, the contracts of Schwarber and Dahl would probably be about as reasonable as you can get for the Cardinals. Dahl, no question. I think they projected it at like 2.75 for this upcoming season. You know, initially I was thinking Dahl makes more sense. He's younger. He's the prototypical Cardinals guy to take a chance on. Guy who's been injured. A guy who really hasn't hit that, that core. That people expect him to in baseball But the more I thought about it I, I've come to the side of Kyle Schwarber Yeah baby Because if we're doing DH here guys Even if we're not doing DH He can be a corner outfielder for you And his bat's better than Tyler O'Neill. Like he, he strikes out I get it His batting average was terrible this past season but go back and look at the last three years where he's played 140, 150 games. You're talking 36, 20, 38 home runs. This guy's consistently hitting you 25 plus bombs. He's what you want Tyler O'Neill to be. Yeah. So I pay the money for a Kyle Schwarber and say, you know what? You're playing every day. D.H. or not hit the ball. The one thing that really sticks out to me about David Dahl and why I think he's such an intriguing
0: player specifically for the Cardinals He's 27 years old. That's the cheapest or the the youngest of all of these three players. Schwarber's 28, Rosario 29, and he has one more year of club control. So something that's going overlooked a bit here, Schwarber, Rosario, both would sign the deal with the Cardinals. And then if it's a one year deal, and I would think that both players would probably want to sign a one year deal, they would both be free agents after the season. If David Dahl signs a one year deal, what happens is the Cardinals would then acquire his arbitration rights as well. So he still has another year of arbitration next year. So after this current season, the 2021 season, if the Cardinals like what they see out of him, if he performs back up to that all star level, the Cardinals have another year of control over him. They would be able to go to arbitration, go through this tendering process once again, and suddenly you could have what essentially amounts to a one year plus a team option for David Dahl going into next season. And so the upside on him is actually higher to be both on the field in terms of the production that he could give you and also in terms of the cost control for the Cardinals. And we all know how much this Cardinals team loves to have some cost control over players. So I do think for me, that is one thing that swings a bit in David Dahl's direction is the contractual obligations that the Cardinals would have over him because of that arbitration, right?
5: Okay, so he was in Colorado, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I gotta ask because you know that somebody's gonna ask. I haven't even checked the text line on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what are his home and road splits? They're not good. As <laughs> but <laughs> but you can I imagine, I mean, you gotta go with it, but right? But Mike Petriello
6: has been putting out article after article talking about look at Arenado's number, and everyone's saying, "Oh, well, he's terrible on the road." Uh-huh. Well, so was DJ Lemayhu, and what did he do this season? I'm just and so was Matt Alex. House. I'm just
5: asking, Alex. No, you're not. You are threatening and you're pointing. No, I'm representing the people right now, and the people deserve an
0: answer. So to put a fine point on this, the numbers at home, 920 OPS, which is elite. It's a a really good player. That would be be the best player in the Cardinals lineup. Talking about Paul Goldschmidt type of numbers. On the road, 720 OPS, which is league average, basically. That's kind of Colton Wong-esque. So... He's a different player on the road than he is at home at Coors Field. But as you said, Ferrario, Mike Petriello has put out some really intriguing numbers, some really intriguing quotes that basically say as much as Coors Field is an advantage for these players at home, it also gives them a disadvantage on the road because the ball breaks differently on the road than it does whenever they're at home. So that is something to consider there. David Dahl is probably you y- hear. You hear most say this a lot about the delta, right? The difference between what the peak performance is and the floor of a certain player and how on some guys that gap in projections is really wide. David Dahl is that player. The ceiling is all-star. The floor is what he did a year ago where he's he's a guy you can't even put into your lineup. And he might not be healthy, so you don't know what he's going to be. I know exactly what Eddie Rosario is going to be. And Kyle Schwarber is kind of somewhere in between. And he also has the question of, can he actually play in the field for you? So these are three really interesting players that all bring very different qualities to the table. Speaking of bringing different qualities to the table, a guy who will be bringing nothing to the table for the Cardinals in 2021. That was cold. Unfortunately is alex ferrario's guy <laughs> ronjel ravello <laughs> and that's lifted down the left field
3: line near the foul pole gone five home runs hit by the cardinals today uh. this one ronjel ravello
6: remember that day like it was yesterday
3: Ferrario, oh, Revio, i we...
6: wanted to give you an
0: opportunity to say a few words about the end of ron hell ravello's tenure here in st louis because if he had a number one fan there is no question <laughs> yeah. who it was it was alex ferrario so ferrario
6: the floor is yours my right, friend. thank you this this uh this took this took a lot of effort last night for me so give me a couple seconds i gotta get some proper music for this guys okay Hello. cardinals fans we gather here today to discuss the non-tender of ron Hel ravello he was a player who one smart individual in st louis said could be the x factor for a cardinal season smart back-to-back seasons in memphis with 25 <laughs> home runs 123 rbis sure as hell seems like a ref- recipe for offense Ron, hell, you never Dude. got the shot here at major league level. We don't blame you. I don't blame you as much as I blame the hitting coach. Not giving you the opportunity to swing away, to go for the fence. Stunted your growth at the major league level. I'm hoping there could be a reunion at some time down the road. But if this is the end of the road for us, Ravello, <laughs> here's to hoping and praying that you don't turn out to be Randy or Rosie or, or Rosarena or Luke He's <laughs> 29 years old, man amen
0: <laughs> he's, he's certainly going to be missed oh, he will um, be missed it is, it is a sad day oh. in St. Louis when the gentleman that finishes his Cardinals career with 42 games 82 plate appearances <laughs> and 3 career home runs <sighs> sorry it is truly the end of the road for <laughs> Ron Hel Ravello here in st louis we're gonna miss him i'm sure he's gonna be great overseas with jamie rivers and alex ferrario i'm brandon Kylie. it's ribs and bk on 101 espn it's 11 16 your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler coming up at 12 o'clock we're gonna talk with our guy joey vitale we will talk with B- uh, bill barnwell about which nfc contender he actually trusts to make a run at the super bowl bill barnwell is going to join us coming up at 115 but coming up next ferrario and i put together our list of the top 10 potential free agents that the cardinals could go after this offseason we'll give you a little insight and who was at number one on those lists coming up next on 101 espn
2: we're back to the ribs and bk podcast on 101 espn
1: There are
3: plenty of options out there for the Cardinals to tinker with, and I think they should. I I think this is an experimental time where maybe you don't have to pay the arbitration rate if you get in because all these guys cleared waivers. I think the Cardinals either add one or two of these guys that we've seen become available over the last 24 hours.
0: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the 636. Guys, stop it. The Cardinals will do their usual dumpster dive. When will you ever learn that? Well, that's kind of the theme of this segment (laughs) that I like to call the top 10 potential free agents that the Cardinals could acquire this offseason. And we are going to be realistically speaking here. Now, would would I like them (laughs) to acquire George Springer? Of course I would. He would be fantastic. He is the perfect fit for exactly what they need. Let's all be honest here. They're not going to add George Springer this offseason. So I wanted to try at least to kind of look at guys that are in their type of a market. So, Ferrario, I know you put together a list as well. I'm going to go through my top ten, and we can kind of compare notes and whatnot. We can go through some of these guys, and we can talk about them as we go here. We also got a text from the 636 BK, if Michael Brantley is not number one on your list for the Cardinals free agents, I have no idea what you're doing with your life. At number one on my potential free agents that the Cardinals could acquire, realistically speaking, it's Michael Brantley. He switched that.
5: He if, did. I saw him too.
0: <laughs> if you're looking at guys that are available right now and who could immediately come in with certainty that would likely be a one-year deal, that would be cost-effective. I think probably 10 to 11, 12 million dollars is what Brantley's probably going to get this offseason. He's the guy. Um, Will they go that high? That's why I'm still unsure there. But for me, guys, I think Michael Brantley is pretty clearly the number one free agent that the Cardinals should be looking to acquire this offseason. Corner outfielder, DH type of a player. I I think
6: he's the guy for me. He upgrades the
7: line. How old is he? 31.
6: Yeah. Ooh. Kind of the common age when it comes to free agency or mm, yeah. the guys that are non-tender. Like Schwarber's 30, 31, I believe. 29. 29. 29. Yep. Rosario's about 38 20 Okay, so never, never mind. Yeah, so we're then. getting lower, Alex. So we're going See, lower That's, from that's kind here, of then. my point Okay, right thanks. now. Thanks, guys.
0: Yeah. Brantley's going to be – he's actually a little older. He's going to be 34 years old next Whoa! year. So – yeah, he, he's he been around a while 34. Um, if he makes contact, he might turn to dust. <laughs> he, he had some injury questions a few <laughs> years ago, but he played Yikes. 140, 148 and then 46 games last year. The, the injury questions are basically gone now. Um, he He would be at the top of my list at number two. This is one that I kind of went back and forth on whether or not I think he's realistic. I have Nelson Cruz here. Is he realistic? I don't know, because I don't know what the market's going to be for him. He's really old. He's like, what, 38 now? I
6: thought he was like 40, to
0: be um, honest I think with you.
5: I don't think he's 40 yet. I, I think he's 38. Actually, it, he might be like 42. Why do was, I think that? There was the projection from... 40. He's 40, he's 40 years old. My God. <laughs>
0: Yikes. Um, he's probably going to be making $40 million. Yeah, and the, the, the projection from Kylie McDaniel was two years, $40 million in total. If that's what he's going to get, that's too rich for the Cardinals blood. But if it's a little lower and I, I feel like for a player of his, his age, I think he's going to sign a one year deal somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be for 10, 15 million. Um, if that's what he's looking at, then I would have him pretty high on my list. He is exclusively a designated hitter, but he's got yeah, but unbelievable what does he do? power. Okay.
5: So let me ask you this about Nelson Cruz. Guy, I love the idea of Nelson Cruz, but I love the idea of Nelson Cruz for two years. I know he's 40 years old and he's getting up there. I get it, okay? But why would you go pay that kind of money for Nelson Cruz in a gap year? Because I think he home runs. Yeah, but why would you do it? Because this is the year you're trying to see what you still have. You're waiting to get all that money off the books. you basically be going throwing good money into a bad team. Because I don't think they're going to be bad next year. I think the Cardinals well, define are fine bad. I <laughs> Best think the NL central, Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, like, right. Like with Nelson Cruz, I think you're win, paying a guy that much money just to come in and, and be a DH, which is fine. If you're going with a team that really has a chance,
0: I think they would have a chance to make the NLCS next year with, with Nelson Cruz. Ooh. And if you're talking about making potentially the NLCS, cause this is a guy that, I mean, he's a 300, 400, 500 slash hitter. It, he hits in a typical season. He's going to hit you 30 or 40 bombs. And he's got a 300 batting average that plays, man. That that is somebody that the Cardinals have been looking for in their lineup for years. He's Tommy Pham with more home runs at the plate and less stabbings.
6: Well, that's true. He doesn't do that at the plate. So,
0: again, I don't know in terms of what the salary is going to be, how realistic he is. But he would be number two on my list if he is realistic. At number three, Eddie Rosario. He's the guy that just hit the market yesterday. He's a non tender and he is somebody that, you know, immediately what he's going to be the second that he walks through the door. Is he a great player? No, but he's a pretty good one. He's going to be pretty cheap. He'll hit you 270. He's not going to get on base a lot and he's going to hit you 25 homers. That's Eddie Rosario. The moment that he walks through the door. Do you guys so far have any qualms that you're, you're looking at those top three of Brantley Cruz Rosario and you're like, Nope, definitely not. I've got somebody else up there.
5: I'm out on Cruz only for the fact that in a one-year deal, I just think it's throw it's wasting money. Yeah, you might make the NLCS, yes, you might, but you might not. You might not even win your division, depending on how other players step up for the Cardinals. And if it's all about the money, why would I give that money to a guy who's one-dimensional and is going to carry me to a season where now I've got money after that, but I just wasted ten or fifteen, maybe twenty million dollars on this guy. So for me, Cruz is off the list. Uh, Brantley is intriguing. Rosario, for sure. I, I think I think he's one of the guys the Cardinals should be absolutely kicking the tires on. Yeah, so
6: Brantley and Rosario are up there on my top three. I don't have Cruz up there. I actually put Kyle Schwarber in my top three. Just because I feel yeah, like Alex. if we're going improving roster and we are expecting to have the DH... He makes your team better than all of these guys because of the home run potential, because of the RBI potential. He strikes out. Yes, he's not a great defender, but frankly, I think you can get over that D.H. or in a corner outfield. See,
0: I would rather have the next two (laughs) on my list. Carlos Santana and Jock Peterson over Schwarber. Schwarber was at number six on my list. I have Carlos Santana at number four and Jock Peterson at number five. Carlos Santana is somebody that we probably haven't talked enough about this offseason, guys. He's a first baseman, DH, probably going to exclusively, if he came to St. Louis, be a DH for you. Good guitar player, too. (laughs) He's a career 250 hitter, but he gets on base like crazy. His career on base percentage is 365. He walks a ton. He led the league in walks last year. So you know that's going to fit in with what the Cardinals like to do. And he's got some power. (laughs) He hits consistently 25 to 30 homers, 25 to 30 doubles. So he's going to have some slugging that he's bringing to your lineup as well. He is old. He's going to be 35 next year. He has played for (laughs) the Indians for the vast majority of his career. So he did have some other guys in the lineup that provided a little bit more uh, certainty behind and in front of him than he will have in St. Louis. But my number four and five players on my top 10 Cardinals free agent list, Carlos Santana, Jock Peterson. And then I have Kyle Schwarber at number six. What do you guys think of that trio there?
5: Uh, look, I keep going back to Schwarber, and I look at his numbers, and in, in 551 games, this guy's hit 121 home runs, 279 RBIs. Yes, he has 591 strikeouts. I understand that, but are we really – if you're the Cardinals, are you really looking for someone who's exactly the same as all your players? If so, then they call that what? The definition of insanity, right? You would have nobody to break up the order to where it's a different style of player. In other sports, you have players that complement each other, not all the same exact player. I understand the hitting philosophy of the Cardinals and Jeff Albert, but I would rather get a guy like like Schwarber who's going to come up here, swing the bat. Yeah, he's going to miss at times, but still 121 home runs, 279 RBIs, 70, 71 doubles. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I like this guy. For me, yeah. that's the one I circle back to every time. So my one through six, just
6: to kind of go off of your speak, yeah. a Schwarber, Brantley, Rosario is my one through three, and wow, then Schwarber's number one for yeah, you. Yeah, Schwarber was number one for me. Four, five, and six. David Dahl was number four. Okay. Number five was Adam Eaton, and I was oh, looking at these numbers. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> why? But you got to understand, <laughs> I, I was thinking of the Cardinals' mentality yeah. on this, and this is a base runner. This is a defender. This is a guy Ooh. who hits doubles and triples. He doesn't hit home runs, but he also gets on base. So I put Adam Eaton there. And doesn't stay healthy. Doesn't stay healthy. But last year, if you look at what he did with Washington, he played over 100 games, and he was very healthy and very successful for him. Part of the reason why they won the World Series. Number six I got is John Scope. And this is a guy I've been continuing. Scopey, you I've love been, him. I've been banging this drum. He might be my new Ron Hell, Ravello at this uh, point. Well, don't say that, because look no, what happened to Ravello. Yeah, no more eulogies for this one. But I'm just going off of improving this roster. Yep. Yes, he improves offensively, and you hope you can strike lightning twice with what he did last year but he improves you defensively as well. You could use him in a corner outfield spot. You can use him at third base, shortstop, second base. He's a utility guy. So he was my number six on this list. So moving forward to kind of
0: go along with what you just said, Uh-oh. I've got David Dahl, Jonathan scope, and Tommy La Stella as my next Scopes three. Over La <laughs> he he for, me. for I You've convinced me the power is there. Um, I've heard some stuff about Listella That makes me question whether or not he would be a great fit here in St. <laughs> yeah. Louis. I just, I'm going to go David, doll seven uh jonathan scope eight and tommy listella nine and then rounding out my top 10 this is probably one that's going to get some talk i have ryan braun at number 10 on my list ryan braun is still a really good hitter he would be exclusively a dh here in st louis he would never see the field ever 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 but he can still hit he's got some pop i know that there's some background there that cardinals fans probably wouldn't love seeing here in st louis If he hits the ball the way that he has in Milwaukee over the last couple of seasons, though, Cardinals fans would come around next season. So my my final guy on this list is Ryan Braun. What do you guys think of that overall?
5: Overall, I don't mind it. But guess what? As I sit here and think and listen to myself and you guys talk about D.H. 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 I have no choice. I have no choice. Don't do it. I I am going to do it. I have no choice. But to go back to somebody, I don't do it before last season. Yasiel Puig. I have no choice the but to do licker. that. The key word that I
0: had on my list was realistically speaking. Yes.
5: <laughs> because. Why not? He's the, still the serving Cardinals a
6: lawsuit, I think. Yeah, the Cardinals are well, just not going you that know route.
5: What? It's allegedly, and there were, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, what? the
6: Cardinals are just going to look at the <laughs> word got, allegedly. He's
5: got good lawyers. Okay, guys. He's a good guy. He's just misunderstood.
6: Yeah,
0: but
5: I, he can swing a bat, boys. You know
0: that I'm in. You know that well, I would don't love sound to. You very him. in. I, I don't think the Cardinals would be in. Um, I, I think that that's a guy that they have so many other options that provide something very similar to what Yassiel Puig would provide. And that's basically what the theme of this list is. If you want a corner outfielder DH, this is the market for you. And the Cardinals are
5: in that exact market. That is what I'm they are looking straight for. Straight DH. And if they have a brawl, I know this guy's got my back. (laughs) So the guys that are out there basically right now,
0: you you can it's a diamond dozen to find a a 250 hitter. That's going to hit you 25 bombs. Those guys are available all over the place. The question is, like, do you want somebody that's on a bounce back year? Do you want somebody that's a little bit more certain? Do you want the upside? What are you looking for from your player that fits into that category? What do you what is the age range that you want to look for? Do you want somebody that's a little younger? 27 28 29 or are you willing to go into that 35 plus range these are the types of decisions that the cardinals are going to have to make because there's a lot of players that fit what they're looking for now they have to go through and filter all of these guys out and determine okay who's the one that we want if you guys had to say right now today this is the player that i think they will sign from this type of a group, not who you want them to, who you think they will sign. What do you think that you would go with if you were calling your shot today?
5: I think it's got to be dull to me. I think that that's the, the age bracket, the price range that they'd be looking at. And like you mentioned, they still have another year of control, although arbitration involved, right? Am I right? Yes. Mm -hmm. There's one more year. So I think that kind of fits the mold of the Cardinals, the way John Mosey thinks um, so that would be my guess. If I was to put money on it, I would put money on him.
6: See, if I were to put money on it, it's not going to be an outfielder. I just don't see the Cardinals do, going that route. Even if the DH is there, if I'm putting money on it, it's going to be an infielder like either a Scope or a Tommy LaStella. Those are the guys that I feel Scope. like if the Cardinals are going to go something, they're going to go for – yeah, probably Scope. They're going to go for the guy who improves them defensively, improves their base running, and, of course, has the upside with the bat.
0: I think eventually they're going to convince themselves that the best way to upgrade this lineup is by adding somebody that can play DH every day. And I think whenever you look at that, the player that stands out to me the most, and I know that I've mentioned him a lot, and there's a reason for it, and I know Ferrario is going to throw, him oh up, throw no. up in his mouth, I think I think they're going to go after Jock Peterson. Son of a! I, th- I think they're going to say <laughs> the best way for us to improve is b- by platooning in the outfield adding in jock peterson to this lineup and you're only gonna see now moving forward harrison bader against lefties not gonna play against righty because that's where jock peterson comes in and other days you're gonna have this kind of filtering throughout in the outfield jock peterson would be the guy for me today that i think is most likely to sign with the cardinals with jamie rivers and alex ferrario i'm brandon kiley it's ribs and bk on 101 espn (laughs) what needs to happen for the NHL to be able to figure out what they're going through right now. We'll talk about that plus why the NBA is going to help provide a little bit of a blueprint for their league coming
2: up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: I think Gary Bettman struck a deal with the players last summer to
0: return to play and on a new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, I think the players made concessions with worst case scenarios in mind. I think the players, and I think Gary Bettman probably thought this was a settled matter. From what I'm hearing, there's a group of maybe like five to seven owners, some of them very influential, um, that'd rather not play. That that
7: think that coming back and playing without fans, they're gonna lose more money than if they just don't play at all.
5: I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard this exact story before. Do you know what's? Do you know what's disgusting about this exact thing? Is you go through the list and you think to yourself, okay, well, it's got to be the Ottawa Senators, or <laughs> right? And yeah, it, it is, okay. Yeah, I, Eugene Melnick is one of them. Going, hey guys, I would put Arizona on this list. Uh, no, actually, Arizona yeah. isn't. I don't know if Arizona would be surprised. Be. The Boston Bruins are one. Really, of them. Jeremy oh, God, Jacobs yeah. is like, I don't he just need this. sold his timeshare. Like the other day, he, what, showed, did he, he talk to BK. Yeah, say, talk to he talked to BK he with he Leslie in
6: Financial in with about financial that group. one. I mean, <laughs> that was a there. smart <laughs> decision there. But no, the the saving hey, saved an
0: <laughs> average of sixty five thousand dollars lifetime. He just uh,
6: he just sold his condo timeshare because he said he took biblical losses again. Like, he he is definitely one of these guys. Well, he
5: is for sure. And some of the other owners, I'm not going to get into throwing guys under the bus, I but well, they're on well, teams stop now. Th- <laughs> the, well, Jacobs, I don't mind. I played there. I know him, and you know what, he deserves it. But other owners that are doing fine financially that have deep pockets, they're just looking at it as a straight business decision. And they're like, you know what? Screw it. We don't need to play this season. I don't need to play this season. I'm going to cost me less money. And it's not all the bottom feeders like you think. Yes, Ottawa is one of those, but that's because he doesn't have two pennies to rub together anymore. But Arizona has a good ownership now. Uh, It's a little confusing down there. But, yeah, some of the bigger players in the league, meaning Mm -hmm. the best, the the richest owners, are part of this group that's saying, I'd rather not play. It's insane to me. And if you're one
0: of those owners, get out of the sport. (laughs) Get out of the sport, honestly, because this is, as much as you always say this, Jamie, you're absolutely correct. You deserve, as a business owner, to earn a profit. But the NHL is profitable. You had a bad year. There are a lot of businesses that have bad years. You know what you do? You rebound. And the NHL fully anticipates that it is going to rebound for the 2021-2022 season, when, oh, by the way, you're getting an influx of money that, from best I can understand, you don't have to share with the players when you get this new ownership group that's coming in, and the Seattle Kraken are going to be a part of the league next season. So figure it out, deal with it, get this done, and stop negotiating in bad faith. Jamie, let's get into this a little bit, because Pierre LeBron wrote a piece yesterday basically saying, hey, here's what I think is going to happen. Here's what needs to happen for the league to start back up. He suggested that owners and players are eventually going to agree to some sort of a deferment in some of the pay, some amount of pay. And they're going to start the league year around February 1st, and then they'll start the 2021-2022 with a clean slate. Full fans in attendance, Seattle joining the league, everybody's going to be hunky-dory. Does that sound about right to you?
5: Yeah, it's it's right on target. With everything that I know personally and people that I've talked to, February 1 has always been the target date for the owners. For Gary Bettman, it's been January 1 because there are other obligations that the NHL have contractually, um, but the owners themselves and the players as well. Look, everybody, even though the players want to make as much money as possible, The pandemic is still out there, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of players, just like society itself. You have people who are divided on certain things, right? Well, it's no different in the NHL. It's no different in any league, professional sports league in the world. Some guys guys don't want to play during a pandemic. So February 1st bumps it back even farther to where hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel. I know we talk about vaccines. I'm not going to get too carried away or put too much into that right now, but appears like something like that will be available. And I imagine professional sports after our essential workers and all that get it would probably be in line to receive something like that. So yes, long winded answer February 1st is definitely a target date for the league. Um, And Pierre Lebrun's right. I think the players are going to accept more deferred money Mm -hmm. to the owners I think they are going to tie a good little interest rate on that. And it won't be, the interest rate won't kick in until like three or four years down the road. Then the clock clock will start ticking on the interest rate. It's just a good business decision all around. The one thing that I don't think will happen that I think is absolutely a dead end, like a cliff that they fall off on is the escrow. The players are not going to revisit that, especially now knowing the language in this CBA to where you're not allowed to strike, not allowed to lock out pretty much. And if the NHL imposes a lockout or, some other legal mumbo jumbo. The, the force p- yeah The is what players they're talking can then now. sue them and it cost them way much, way more money down the road. So I think the escrow is a non discussion. I think the deferred payments is what will
6: happen. It definitely is a non discussion. I was talking with Joey and Mike McKenna earlier today, this week in hockey tonight, and both said that they've talked with players. Mike, of course, on the Vegas side, Joey with the Blues, and he said the players were fine with coming back to the table but as soon as they said the word escrow <laughs> yeah. that's where they lost their minds and and Joey said that these guys like they, at least for the blues they're itching to get back like this isn't where they're sitting on the they're other side of the like table four
5: or five times a week yeah right
6: they're not sitting on the other side of the table and saying no we don't want to talk to the owners we'll, we'll we'll go as long as we need to they want to be back because it's been almost a year for some of these guys since they played hockey together so February 1st, that even seems like further away. Like, I wonder if it would be the end of January when they try and push this back. But look, you're going to have to do an expedite of training camp slash preseason to get all of this underway. And I do know that some of the Blues players at least are talking about coming back from wherever they are overseas. So you're getting back into that page, I think, where the NHLPA is talking to the NHL to where they know that this is coming back sooner rather than later.
5: The difficult thing here is, I honestly think the players and the owners should try to get back sooner. I understand that February 1, it's a good, clean thing. You start the first day of the month, blah, blah, blah. But you're going to have tests that come back positive. You're going to have speed bumps. If we've learned anything from sports being played during the pandemic, and if you're not in a bubble, we've learned that there's going to be positive tests that come back. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case... I'd like to bump that up earlier. Give yourselves that buffer zone. Give yourselves the Ravens-Steelers buffer zone there to where you can move this game three, four, five days down the road next week, whatever it is, but still get to play it because you have time to do it. And the NHL is not like the NFL where it's one game a week. They're going to probably play three, maybe four games a week. So it's going to be essential that they have some runway to work with for games that will be affected by the COVID 19 virus so i would i would personally suggest that they come back the last week of january give themselves a little more time
6: my gut feeling is you're looking at where the all-star game would be that's usually when you get like what three four days off in the nhl season that's kind of my gut feeling of where the NHL is going to say we're going to start where the All-Star game was supposed to be. And to your point, Jamie, the NBA is already showing us what the NHL is about to endure.
0: The NBA yesterday announced 48 positive tests in their initial reentry process, and that was over the first week. Um, it was the last week of November was when they got those tests back. So last week, they got these 48 tests. To give you a little bit of context on this, that's 10% of the league that when they were tested— they returned with a positive test because there are 550 players, 48 of them tested positive. Previously, the last time they came around, it was like half of that in terms of the positivity rate whenever they came back for the summer. So there's more players that are testing positive now. It's a reflection of society, right? There's more people testing positive now than there were in the summer, so you would expect that to also reflect in the NBA. It has, and you would also expect it to be the case for the NHL whenever they decide to return. So... For these players, again, in the NBA, it's 48 of them already. When the NHL returns, if you're going to have something similar, where they're going to have a bunch of guys that test positive immediately, well, now you got a two-week quarantine for all those dudes. And they're not going to be able to go on the ice. So the ramp-up period that we talk so much about in the summer, it can't just be two weeks. Otherwise, you're going to have these guys that test positive whenever they're coming back, and now they're quarantining for two weeks, and now you're going to have them start with their schedule as is? Uh, Probably not. So (laughs) I'm guessing you're going to have like four, five weeks where you're going to have to be able to get acclimated that way. Otherwise, you're going to lose too many guys for the start of the season.
5: And they'll expand the rosters. Remember that, too. Uh, They they are going to expand the rosters for that reason, so that if there's two or three guys that are affected – they won't cancel a game or postpone it. They'll just say hey, next guys up. Yep. And that's the way it's going to work.
0: And it's going to be it's going to be arbitrary. As a Blues fan, you have to know immediately now this is not going to be a fair season. There are going to be games where you're playing without dudes that other teams maybe would get to play with, and we're going to evolve with this. We've seen it in the NFL. It's not always a one-for-one. One. The Ravens-Steelers, they just went through it. You're going to have something like that at some point in the NHL as well because they got to get these games in. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers
2: coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: service text line for questions and answers from the 314 guys did you see the mizzou basketball game last night big win for the tigers against the top 25 opponent okay jimmy i know you've got a lot of thoughts (laughs) (laughs) one
5: i missed it damn it um but you guys were really pumped about this like our our little text chain or group text whatever you call it whatever the kids call it these days Was blowing up last night because you guys were like celebrating. I could almost hear the champagne (laughs) popping in the background. Big win, I suppose, right? It was a big win.
6: I haven't been able to watch, and I love college basketball. I have been able to watch local college basketball other than SLU be be competitive for a long time. Like maybe you get one good game from Mizzou here and there. But it's been nothing like Michael Porter. We've been pumped up about. and You didn't get to see anything. Jonte gets hurt in the second year. You don't get anything. Quanzo Martin's tenure here hasn't been great. So watching that last night, I was amped up because like you finally have competitive basketball. You got number five, Illinois. You got a team like Mizzou that just beat a ranked team. And then, of course, you got slew. Like now's the perfect time to be in college basketball, man. And I don't know what. I don't know what the next few weeks are going to hold for college
0: basketball. It, it's been rough for them to be able to get games and last night Mizzou and Oregon played in Omaha <laughs> on a neutral site Omaha! game for Omaha. They were supposed to meet up in the Northeast. That tournament basically got canceled. So they decided to kind of go off to the side and they would they, they essentially just scheduled the game a week in advance and they met in Omaha at Creighton to be able to play um, and it was also it was a huge win for the Tigers. This was their first win against a ranked non-con opponent since 2013. Let me give you some perspective on this the last time that mizzou basketball beat a ranked non-con opponent that same night trey mason ran for 300 yards on their football team in the sec championship game. trey mason who like disappeared from the nfl yeah <laughs> it, it's it's been a long time the last time that mizzou beat a ranked opponent away from mizzou arena was 2012 <sighs> Jamie, think about how much has changed in your life since 2012. Who was the coach then? Was that Anderson? Frank Haith. It was, oh, it was, it was Frank Frank the Haith. second year yeah. of Frank Haith there. Um, Oof. It, it's been a really long time since we've seen Mizzou win a game like this. And now Bragg and Wright takes on even more importance. Illinois is really good. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not Baylor good, and we saw that last night. But they're a legitimate top 10 to top 15 program in the country right now. And Mizzou is likely going to be ranked after this week. What really sucks is that this game's not going to be played in St. Louis, and that you're not going to have the full environment that you typically would. Because, man, I know you go to this game every year, Ferrari. Yeah. Bragging rights well, is play a it, really, really enterprise. enterprise yeah. yeah. It's a really cool environment because it's truly 50-50 mm-hmm. most years. It's a 50-50 split between Mizzou fans on one side, Illinois on the other, and it has almost like a tournament type of atmosphere. It It could have been awesome this year, Mm -hmm. but obviously that's not going to happen because of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean,
6: you get like celebrities that are coming, local celebrities that are coming to these bragging rights games. I mean, it's a filled up stadium. It's loud the entire time. You haven't had that since 2012, basically, when Frank Haith was here. I mean, you went through the Kim Anderson era with no kind of excitement surrounding these bragging no rights game yeah no hope brad underwood finally taking under with illinois and you finally get some hope on that side and now with Conzo starting to build something like this is the first year that i'm legitimately pissed off that i cannot be there it'd be really cool if both both teams also could find a way to play Lou this year yeah that's us make it like a trio tournament or yeah. something yeah
5: that would be neat mm. be- especially if they're all competitive That obviously makes a lot of sense. And this is the year to do it because
0: like you're going to have, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know who it's going to happen against, but there will be more cancellations in games, especially in Mm non-con because there's just so many teams that are getting ravaged by COVID right now. Thank God, knock on wood. Hasn't happened for Illinois or Mizzou yet, but
5: they're going to have opponents that have it. And do they have to play certain teams? Let me ask you that because in my head, I'm thinking to myself non-con just overall. In the conference slate, typically, yes So
0: once you get to, like, January, things will change And you're into conference play And now you're only playing against your conference But right now, you can basically play whoever you
5: want These are tune-up games, basically But I'm just wondering out loud here Like, look, at Columbia's obviously very close proximity Mm -hmm. to St. Louis Illinois' close proximity to St. Louis Why would you not create just a a three-team Call it whatever you want, Right? And you have a little like round robin tournament type thing, but you're playing games and you're close enough in proximity to where you're not having to travel. And put your guys at risk You leave the day of the game for these Hell you could bring in like bring in Iowa Bring mm-hmm. in Iowa State You could bring in Creighton Make you, a Midwest you could, tournament Like whatever right like why not capitalize Get some games played And you know if the te- televised You get some sponsorship dollars for that Especially here in St. Louis over winter break Because mm-hmm. these kids don't have
0: the classes Going on right now and so you could actually bring them in for like a week, quote unquote, start a bubble, if you will. Yeah. And you play the games while you can. You get a few of them in, and and you move forward. NCAA, call me. Okay, my <laughs> call phone's <us>. on. <laughs> Uh, Last thing that I wanted to get into really quickly here uh, before we get to Joey Vitale on the other side. Actually, we'll talk about this with Joey Vitale on the other side. How about that? Uh, Four NHL teams are reportedly exploring the possibility of playing outdoor home games. I want to ask Joey. I want to ask Jamie as well. What would this be like as a player to have your home games played outdoors? Does that change anything in terms of what the actual playing style would be? What it is like to play for these teams? We'll talk about that, how realistic it is with our guy, Joey Vitale, Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN, when he joins us next.
2: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario and I'm Brandon Kylie. We're going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Our friend Joey Vitale it's a blues analyst for 101 ESPN joins us here on the show. Joey,
4: how you doing, man? BK, Hey, doing good, man. It's a, it's a wee bit nipply
5: out, but now I'm doing all right. Joey, are you driving the convertible today? <laughs> no, no, I'm on a walk. I'm on a walk. Joey, it's I like 20 it's degrees way, out
4: there. It is way colder. It is way colder. And I realized uh, uh, I, uh, I, uh, you know, w- one of the problems with me is I got these, these genetically doggone nipples that are so, like, tight and tart, and these things are <laughs> about to fall off. And I can't wear a shirt in the summertime. I, get, I put on a shirt, and the thing fits good at the arms. I got a nice little tricep dent going there. The back muscle's looking good. Here come the last lady. And then, boom! There's two little tic-tac nipples sticking straight out. And I can't wear this stupid shirt. Joey, have you ever considered pasties? <laughs> you know what? There is millions and billions of dollars for some designer out
5: there. Maybe, Briggs, maybe it could be you. I mean, women have them. These yeah, they do. Things. They do. These They're called pasties, things. you know, in those places yeah. where, you know, they, they do ballet, but you can't see everything. They use these things called pasties. So I'm walking down the street, and my nipples are about ready to
4: fall off, and I say to myself, so... Why the hell do we have these damn things? We have half the people on this earth with these nipples, and we don't even use them.
5: That's a good point.
4: Joey, <laughs> I up? I love you. You're the best.
0: Um, I got to ask you a follow-up question on this. Oh, yeah, here um, we go. So... According to Elliot Friedman, Uh, (laughs) again, I don't know how to transition. Elliot has nipples he doesn't use either. (laughs) Four NHL teams are reportedly exploring the possibility of playing outdoor home games. Uh, I'm assuming that you wouldn't love that, given that your nipples would be problematic. Uh, What do you think about this as a former player? What would it be like to have your home games played outdoors?
4: I knew you would turn it into some sort of transition. You did it. You did it. I would hate it. I would absolutely despise it. Uh, Yeah, I just saw that. How about that? That would be kind of cool. And that's something that, you know, when you you use your brain and we can improvise, uh, like, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway show, then we can start thinking about some things. I saw that. I saw, you know, where's all this money coming from? Well, some genius thought, well, these doggone uh, uh, goons in Europe are playing with all these flashy, you know, entertainment uh, logos on their jerseys and shin pads and open pads. Why not do that to the NHL? I think there's there's no rules, guys. There's no rules about what's going to happen through this winter. Um, Outdoor rinks, logos on pads, however they can get games going, however they can generate uh, money to be brought in, which is going to be the lifeline of this league, it's really, to me, to me right now, it's not so much the X's and O's of the financials anymore. I think we're already past that. I think really, it's just is this doggone pandemic and allow us to play. And can we weather this winter, this winter storm, as they as they say, "Oh, winter's coming, Frodo" from Game of Thrones. I don't think that's exactly
0: Frodo.
6: the quote. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, so I'm with you, Joe. Frodo's Lord of the Rings, Joe. Wrong movie.
4: It's all the right, oh, same. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My bad. No, no. But to be to be truthful, uh, two weeks ago I'm playing with two players, and playing a little. Oh, pick nasty, play a little pickleball. And, you know, two things really stood out, uh, aside from me getting, you know, dominating everybody, was the number one, uh, players are going to be fine with the financials. Uh, I think it's pretty much understood that the players do not want their escrow touch. And I think even Gary Bettman's statement uh, yesterday or this morning pretty much summed that up. I think that, that getting away from the escrow thing, I think the players, that was, that was number one. Number two, guys, you know, this, um, Jamie, you were part of the 0-4 lockouts part of the '12. I've never seen players' uh, tone and demeanor this serious to get back and play hockey. I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of hockey that players have wanted to get back so badly. You make the argument about no four. Well, no four, you guys probably, you know, James, you were probably going down to Aruba or Jamaica. or <laughs> Oh, I want to lay ya, one of those um, islands from the Beach Boys because you could do that. But now everyone's stuck at home. Everyone wants to get the hell out of here and everyone wants to play hockey. So I think that it will get done. I don't think it's going to be January one. Uh, but I do feel very, very strongly uh, in my in my intuition, spirit of spirits that sometime in January we're going to see puck drop.
5: Yeah, Joey, I was part of the O four lockout, and there was no Aruba, Jamaica for me. I didn't make enough money. So get, I ended up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, <laughs> playing in the American <laughs> League. So yeah, there was no sunshine for me. the uh, The town smelled like chocolate, though. I go so that you know that's kind of a a benefit of being there. But Joey, um, you're right. Guys have been away from the rink. A long time here right now. They've been away from league games, playing hockey, what they're used to doing. You know as well as I do, you're programmed to play hockey. And right now, these guys, it's winter weather coming, and they're probably just jonesing to get on the ice and play some meaningful hockey. Now, that being said what kind of a runway do you think we're going to need here? Because, you know, BK brought it up earlier in the show that 10% of the NBA players who reported back for camp tested positive for COVID. And again, I think that January 1st date, you could throw that out the window right now if the NHL is looking at something like that. But I do think they have to start before the end of January to be successful just with the COVID stuff alone.
4: Yeah, I do do think you're right, Jamie. I mean, I think it was in... Oh, 12 when we started like, January 19th. And we were able to fit 48 games in and the Blackhawks got the Cup at the end of June. That was realistic. It was possible. Was it too much? No. Did we complained a little bit, but we got through it. So I do think end of January is, is probably the furthest you can push it. And to, the, to that point, I remember in that 2000 lockout, Gary Bettman did say if, uh, if something isn't developed by January 25th, I believe that was the date that stood out, or 26th, one of those. He said the season will be canceled. And I think that's because, uh, you know, these owners and the, and the board, all these people, great people, much smarter than me, realize that in order to have the integrity of a great season, you need to get going before this date. So I do think it will happen. What's the runway going to look like, Jamie? You know, uh, you mentioned the word runway. And for this in particular, I, I think of the movie Blow, when Johnny Depp's got all those drugs and money, he's <laughs> taking off in like Guadalupe or somewhere in Mexico, and the, and the plane's going left and right and up and down, and they're going to crash. You know what? I don't know how it's going to go, but the biggest thing is, can we get the heck off the ground and get this thing going and and hopefully get these players in the right environment, right? Get them in the right environment where they're going to start testing clean here, much like they did in the bubble. Uh, With the bubble situation, you have players coming from all over areas. They were tested positive, so it wasn't a bad, it wasn't a good thing. People were a little nervous. But then once they got them into the cities or at least in the controlled setting, you only saw a couple teams here and there, Blues being one of them with a little bit of an outbreak, but it was much more managed. So I just think the sooner the sooner the players can get to their host cities and try to navigate this whole thing, I, I do think the better. And I do think it's, a, it's very realistic to expect a bunch of positive cases to, to come up in those first week or two when all these players are starting to arrive. But the good news is I know for the St. Louis Blues, along a lot of other teams, I was talking to Bennington yesterday, he's in St. Louis, a lot of players have already shown back up. They're already treating this time like, like training camp. And I think that's really important because, you know, everyone keeps asking the same question, the stupid question. I'm really glad you guys didn't ask it because you guys only ask the best questions. <laughs> you know, how much, tra- how much training camp do they need? These guys don't need training camp. These guys have been in training camp for two straight months. These guys have been skating every day. These guys are ready. You could drop the puck tomorrow against the Chicago Blackhawks on NBC at, at noon on Saturday. These guys will be so fired up and ready to go. They don't need a long training camp. They are in training camp right now. So I think the sooner the players get here, especially from Europe, Uh, get through borders, kind of control, things like that, it's going to be the better moving forward.
0: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Tax Line from the 618. I just passed Joey walking, and the only thing that I could do is look straight at his nipples. Joey, we always appreciate the time, man. We look forward to having you gone again next week. Uh, We will talk with you then, buddy.
4: Hey, that's saying a lot because we got two t-shirts on and this big old hoodie. So that's saying a lot. You guys have a good week.
0: <laughs> you too. That is Joey Vitale. He is one of the best. He is the best joining us here on 101 ESPN. Are you hearing the same thing? These guys, I mean,
5: they're, they're already basically ramping up towards the season right now. Yeah, the only thing that would hold them back is guys coming in from other countries and having to either quarantine for two weeks or the guys that – come into town that test positive, and now that's a two-week quarantine. That's the only reason you'd extend the training camp. Uh, this is the longest offseason for these guys that I've ever seen. I mean, think back to when they were eliminated from the bubble to where we are now. Oh, my gosh, right? That's a long time ago. So, yeah, these guys are ready. I think you throw two preseason games at them and, and let them get a little bit of ice under their skates, competitive ice. And they're ready to go. So I'm with I'm with Joey on this one.
0: It's twelve fifteen, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The vaccine Joey was just talking about this for the NHL. It's no longer a theoretical thing. Now it's very real, and we know kind of roughly the timeline of when it could be dispersed nationally. How much does this change the approach to free agency? I remember talking to Bill DeWitt about this a few weeks ago when he was on with us, Jamie.
2: Let's talk about that ourselves coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. But Why overlook an opportunity
3: when you know you're going to make money and over fits in two years three years and then for the future if you're the st louis cardinals your fan base is not withering why let other teams take advantage i just to me the cardinals are number one on my list of teams that should not be cheap this offseason they should be aggressive because they know the vaccine they're going to be back to making a ton of cash down the road
0: with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. So the vaccine changes some things, at least in my opinion it does. I don't know if that is also the opinion of the owners. By the way, that audio was Greg Amsinger. You heard him earlier today on Carricker and Smallman. I saw this story yesterday, and this was about uh, Broadway up in New York, Not not pro sports teams, but it could also apply to pro sports leagues. Entertainment. Absolutely. Dr. Fauci was doing an interview and he said that he believes the entire commute, uh, country could get back to normal by the end of summer or the beginning of fall 2021. He added that at that point, he believes that the Broadway shows could be back and have full fans in the stands. Whoa. So awesome. Boy, if, if that is the case and we're talking about, let's call it like late July until like August and September at a minimum, that very likely means you're going to be able to have fans in the stands to a significant degree for baseball's postseason next year, because that's in October. And by that point, you would, God, fingers crossed, we're going to have every everybody vaccinated by October of next year. So, Jamie, with this in the back of your mind, do you think it changes the projections for a team like the Cardinals, where they're looking at things and they're saying, okay, we're likely going to start with some fans in the stands and as the the summer goes along you would think it would get more more and more likely that you'd have an increase in capacity for fans in the stands next year. Do you think that changes anything for them?
5: No, I don't. I hate to be the guy to burst the bubble, but look, if I'm if I was running the St. Louis Cardinals, I would set my budget at the bottom of mm-hmm. what we can bring in revenue-wise. And the reason I would do that is so that anything we get above that is gravy. It's to the good. Rather than making the business mistake of setting it halfway or even moving the bar as the season goes, and then things change drastically, maybe in a negative way again, or turn to you know something different happens, and now you're screwed because you set your budget too high. So to me, the St. Louis Cardinals, Bill DeWitt, is a very business-savvy individual, and I think that the people surrounding him are very business-savvy as well. And again, this is going to go back and people hate it. I don't care. It's the truth. The Cardinals will be competitive in the Central Division no matter what they do. So therefore, they don't have to make some drastic moves. Now, if fans do come back and we get close to 20, 30, 40, 50% capacity, maybe 70% capacity by the time playoffs roll around, it's going to make it that much better for the following season. I think that that money would be considered found money at that point. Put that on top of the $60 million that's going to come off the books at the end of that season. Now you have a legitimate wallet that you're going out there and you're going shopping or paying guys the right guys to take your franchise. But honestly, it could bolster this franchise into a win-now window right away. As soon as that season starts, for the next two or three seasons, after this one coming up, the Cardinals could be very competitive if fans do come back like that.
6: Perfect time to go out there and get one of those top-end shortstops that are going to be on the free agent market, right? You'll have the the funds to do it. The part that I'm curious about is... The the progression with this. Like everyone has said that they've taken losses as an owner of a baseball team. But you would imagine it's not going to be nothing and then a hundred percent. It's going to be a slow progression. Now, any money this season comes in is going to offset what they lost last year and is going to offset what they lose this year. But you would imagine once you get back to that full capacity or maybe 75% in July or August that Fauci's talking about. Then you start to say, okay, now we're going back on track. So I'm with Rivs on this one. I think the slope progression is going to help no matter what an owner, but come next offseason, as a baseball ownership group, if you want to be competitive, that's your opportunity because you've kind of you've recouped the losses Mm -hmm. and now you're set back to normal to get back on track. So what
0: frustrates me about what you guys just (laughs) said, and I'm not saying you're wrong. (laughs) I already know where this is. I I, want to be very clear. I'm not saying that you're wrong because I I actually think you're probably right in the way that these owners will approach it. Um, And that doesn't make them wrong. It it, it just, it's a difference of philosophy, a difference of opinion that I I would have on this. Um, What's frustrating is I was reading a piece yesterday from Craig Edwards, of fan who went back and he, he looked through the Braves um, money projections, right. the, the, the losses that they showed publicly because they're the only publicly owned team. So we do get a peek into their books. Now it's not perfect one for one with other teams across baseball, but it's a pretty good um, indication of where the Cardinals are. Cause they have kind of similar markets in terms of the local media rights and the money that they get. So, the Braves, if you look at exclusively last year, did lose money. They did. And they disclosed that publicly. But as Craig Edwards wrote in this story, if you look at the last
5: two years, it's kind of a full um, 100% outlook, right? You usually they, use a three-year calendar, right? Like you're like, three years, this is what our business looks like. And based on that, they've actually come out ahead. So, yes, they lost last year, but they're not telling
0: us what they did in 2019 or in 2018. They're no. not disclosing that publicly. No, you, won't get,
5: you won't get the good times, buddy. And so Sorry. The,
0: the owner of the Braves is actually coming out a net positive for what we, he's seen over the last two or three years. It's just this last season where he took losses. I
5: think that what you have to realize, too, and, and look, I think we're speaking the same language here. But the forecast for this upcoming season, right, what does that hold for the owners? Because, yes, you're right, the Braves show a profit in their three-year window of the last three seasons for mm-hmm. their financials. They took a big loss last year, according to what they're saying. Uh, again, according to what they're saying, we haven't seen the official books on it, but uh, you have to now think ahead. If they took a loss last year of the $2 billion that they're claiming, what will the loss be this year? And, yes, we're talking about fans coming back. But we're not sure yet, right? So you have to look at that as a situation to where he's projecting losses again. And it's not that it's, not that it's right or that it's wrong, but it's what businesses do. Sure, And so, therefore, I, I guess what I'm frustrated about most, and text line pops up, is never mind the, the fact that we could sit here all day and dissect that the DeWitts could make money, save money, not spend the money this year, tack it on to the $60 million. I think the fans' frustration lies is I don't think there's a belief overall from the fan base here that even if they get the money, the extra, the gravy from this year and the $60 million off the books – I don't feel like the fans think the DeWitts will make that move then to turn this into a powerhouse. That's
6: exactly where the frustration is. It's it's past history of the Cardinals in this ownership group that aren't willing to spend the money on the players that are available. This has nothing to do with fans in the stands or losses financially or anything. Cardinals fans know and have it ingrained that this upcoming offseason, they could make a ton of money. They could make the most money in Major League Baseball of any team with fans in the stands. But they're not going to spend the money on Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, insert player here because of past history with this ownership. And the funny thing is, like, they do spend money. They do. They, they don't do. spend it the way that I would like them to. And
0: that's we could we, we've gotten into that a million different times. But they spend the money. They're in the top 10 almost every year in terms of what Bastard. they are actually spending. It's just not on a superstar. It's not the big. 10 year, 8 year contracts that you want to see. It's not the superstar player that they're bringing in and acquiring but then the argument that's in the right middle of now, their prime.
5: And you know our text line does this. What about Paul Goldschmidt? They spent there. They did. Now uh, on a 5 no. year deal back end of his career. He's not a superstar? I think he's past the superstar stage. I think I think his stats and the way he plays puts him in the discussion, but I think his personality and the way he conducts himself Takes him off of the superstar list, and you need multiple. Because you game. have people, I guarantee you'd name people that you think are superstars, and overall their stats are not as good as Paul Goldschmidt. Absolutely. I think
6: three years ago he was a superstar. I think there are now other superstars in the league that have overtaken his superstar status. And yeah,
5: I, but he's still in
0: that ilk. Yes, he, he's a he's a top twenty thirty player in baseball. He, he on most teams he like if you spread out the best players across baseball he would be the best player on one of those teams right yeah um and, and that's that's a guy that you would love to have on your roster in 2020 the way that teams are building now especially when you're competing with the dodgers and the braves and the padres you need multiple you need multiple of those guys and the cardinals don't have multiple right now and that's that's the issue and that's where the 2021 free agent class comes in and that's that's where the questions arise right um for offseason does the off does the vaccine change teams approach to free agency probably not I wish it would though I wish it would because if you're sitting here right now and you're the owner of the Cardinals you're Bill DeWitt Jr you have to project now there's going to be some fans in the stands at a minimum that that has to be included in your projection now because you're seeing it in A lot of football stadiums, even while all these cases are rising, they're able to get in an outdoor stadium, fans in the stands in some of these markets by April, May, June, when we have at least a portion of um, of America that is already vaccinated, you should expect that that's going to be the case across the league in baseball. So I fully anticipate they will have that. I hope that they take those projections into account and transition a little bit Off of the zero fans in the stands data that they had previously, and that helps them go out and acquire one of these guys that we've been talking so much about, regardless of who that player is. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We're gonna have Ben Heisler at a typical, uh, at, at the typical junk drawer time at 12:45. He's coming up in 15 minutes. So coming up next, we'll dive into the junk drawer here on 101
2: ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: jamie rivers and alex Ferrario. i'm brandon kylie ben heisler is going to join us coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so to talk a little bit about this weekend slate in the nfl but right now let's dive into the junk drawer and jamie if you had to say what you are most going to remember as the thing that um took america by storm early in the quarantine period what would you say it was the the phenomenon that was early in the the quarantine period i think it has to be carol
5: baskin
0: i would say the tiger king is probably correct well carol baskin is back in the news of course she is she's basking the news (laughs) it's and it's not good it's not good for her um carol baskin's big cat animal rescue in tampa had a little bit of an issue no yep they did So around 8.30... Did they eat her new husband, too? Not husband. Um, At 8.30 this morning, one of the longtime volunteers nearly had her arm torn off by a tiger. According to the story from TMZ, one of the longtime workers, her name is Candy... She stuck her hand Obviously. into the
6: enclosed <laughs> area of Kimba the tiger. Of course, Candy would stick her hand in a tiger cage. I think it she wasn't was on Halloween.
0: Opening the door for feeding time, and Kimba the tiger <laughs> bit into her hand and started thrashing. According to this story, Candy's arm was nearly torn off at the shoulder. Uh. They took her immediately to the hospital. She is reportedly expected to survive. We don't have any further uh, clarification on her status right now. But uh, a rough day, and this tiger is expected to go into quarantine now for the next 30 days to, you know, get herself right. Not great.
5: Not great, Bob. Not great. So we had, with Joe Exotic, his exotic land he had one without an arm right mm-hmm. she yep. lost her arm she lost her arm you think that even if you didn't know before that documentary you think that after seeing that documentary because you know that everybody watched it especially mm-hmm. people if you're working for carol baskin so candy if it's her real name candy cooser candy her, cooser. that's her stage name Yes. yes exactly I think I would imagine that Candy knew that it's possible to lose your arm in the tiger cage. Hey, Candy, if you open up the cage to a
6: tiger that's hungry with food, holding the food, yeah, it's probably gonna go
5: the uh, the uh, fresher meat. Then the raw meat you're about to throw at it you're, You've got to throw a little distance on that meat You know, you got to make sure you throw it in that direction yeah. Otherwise, I think you are at risk If you don't throw the meat, you're in trouble That's what she said I'm a
0: little surprised that there are still people that want to be associated with these places I'm not
5: because Are you this kidding person- me? Did you watch that? Do you see how many, we'll call them unique people <laughs> That surround... That they're like infatuated with this big cat world, and, and it, it's like a whole cult. And now it's fame. Now you oh, have yeah. all of well, these people talking Candy about you. Is certainly famous hey. now. She's <laughs> even got a stage name Candy, already.
6: Candy probably loves the fact that people are talking about her and her arm. I would assume she probably would rather
5: have the arm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, wait, well, yeah. You got the other one. Now, do you think there's a lawsuit they could be had there? Because Carol Baskin, like she fed her husband to the cats before, right? Allegedly. She's probably a little bit like Teflon. Nothing sticks there. (laughs) Jamie, what do you
0: have for us today in the uh, junk drawer? Okay,
5: all I have is a question, okay? And it's it's an interesting one, but I'm just going to throw it out there because as it happened, I thought, I got to ask somebody about this. So as you know, there's toilets that are automatic flushing, right? Um, Which is great during the pandemic time or any time germ-wise. It's always great to have those toilets that flush by themselves. Now, um, I do use the bathroom here at work every now and then. We try to clean the pipes out, as we say, uh, before the show, because it can be difficult to hold that thing for three hours. Amen. Now, every now and then, when I lock, when I close the door, I don't necessarily lock it. And then somebody comes in. What are you, a monster? No, hang on. So I just don't think about it. I'm thinking about the show usually, Alex. trying to build some opinions. Anyways, somebody comes in, and I quickly kind of reach up to hit the button. (laughs) But what happens is it triggers the auto flush. I broke the seal just for a second, right? So now I'm on my way back down, and this thing goes into auto flush. So my question to you guys is... How do you handle that moment? Because I'm not the only one it's happened to. And at 65780, if this has happened to you too, text in. Do you try to reach down and tuck in the landing gear? Do you get back up and risk a double flush situation? Or do you just sit there and just wear it? I think you got to eat it. Well, I, think this I don't is know if you those. use that word. I don't BK. think you want to eat anything Let's when you're in that position. Let's try not to use that word. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I, I think
6: wear it was a little better. Candy would uh, disagree <laughs> with that, too, by the way. I think
5: she'd wear it. She'd eat
6: it. <laughs> so again. So I'm confused. Uh- are,
5: are you saying basically avoid the splashback? I don't know what 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 is the right move there because are you wor- are you worried about the splashback? No. Um, are you worried about like just it? Well, we know Ferrario doesn't have this problem. He goes to the gas station. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. That's true. He, he's not that's he's true. not about to do his business yeah. here, Jamie. Yeah. So
6: I would imagine he has no experience yeah. with said problem. A gas station up the street. I'll probably <laughs> head to. <laughs> but it's probably not auto flash. No. No. Those are always manual. But, I think you just got to wear it on this.
5: Situation right well, like the, you, you, you move Forward but do it, you, it is what it do is you it, Reach down and tuck up the landing gear for Fear of the backsplash well the, the Backsplash is like a bidet it's just Cleaning it for but you But it's not cleaning the right parts Well are you sure you must not letting The splash sure? back hit you in the right spot well that's a good Point maybe you tuck up the legs Make <laughs> sure it Ferrari hits the right spot more experience with, Hey I'm a big <laughs> fan Of the bidets so what well, text Line somebody said cover the eye before you start Well that's counterproductive because now I'm Touching the toilet
6: I don't yeah, want to. I mean, that no. defeats the purpose. I got an idea. How about you just lock the freaking door when you and sit down? And this was down. a surprise for you, right? Like,
0: you, you didn't expect somebody to come in. No, it, it took you off guard a little bit. It took
5: me off guard. And then all, I've also hung my jacket or my sweatshirt up there. My phone is in there. And then Where I realized there's a hook in there. you <laughs> comfy? <laughs> Dude, what, it's a What, are you process? taking your clothes off in your that, ass? Listen, too? you have four <laughs> kids at home. When you get into that spot, it's me time, okay? Oh, somebody <laughs> says you've got to
0: cover the sensor prior to the start. Well, with that's what I just said. Yeah, I I didn't understand what you were getting at there. That makes some sense, and it is honestly
5: a life hack that I had never considered. Yeah, but is the you- toilet paper that we have though? No. Thick enough? No, it's one ply No, trust me You want to bring your own toilet paper here? Yeah, talk about I the poke through happens. I was going to say Talk about breaking that's the really seal that's really not good Talk about that yeah. I feel
0: How many pieces of I think you'd have to have like Four or five different plies of toilet paper To be able to actually that. Now that's more effort than it. I'm
5: willing to give Because when I'm coming in well, there Jamie. Usually Usually we're almost touching cloth You're taking your point. jacket off What do you mean more effort? <laughs> yeah Well, I want to make sure that I'm have got full motion i am seeing you you take, your, you take your shoes and socks off too No, that's not true no, that's not true. You're There's germs in there. I would not do that. You're a monster. Why but I you? am saying I have reached up for my phone and then the auto flush again. And I'm like, dang it. And I never know what the right move is. So so the r- problem
0: with going back up is now you're risking a third flush. Uh, yeah, The double, triple flush. And that's at, just death. That's, that's more. That's bid- worst case scenario. You, you can't you can't go down that path. So this is why I think you just you go with the sunk cost. And you wear it and that's it You just move forward right. from there And you, you gotta move on
6: You can't cover the sensor either because then you're just sitting in your own Smell for the next 15 minutes well, yeah,
5: But then it's the effort to do it Like I don't know about you guys but like the closer I get To the actual toilet Like the more I feel like I have to go So taking that extra time is like ain't gonna happen
6: Stop with, taking your shirt off when you go to the bathroom, then.
0: With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. There are some interesting games this weekend and some difficult games to pick. We're going to try to have our guy Ben Heisler help us with some of these games and... If you are somebody that is struggling right now with your fantasy team heading into the playoffs, we'll ask him if there's anybody on the waiver wire because it's late waivers this week that he thinks you should be picking up. Ben Heisler is going to join
2: us next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and and celebrity line. Joined by Heiss, Heiss, baby. Our guy Ben Heissler <laughs> joining us here on the show. Sports betting analyst for Sports Illustrated. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Benny Heiss. Heiss, how you doing today, man? What's happening
8: fellas? How we doing?
0: Oh, we're doing all right. So you tweeted out that you were coming on our show and let's start with this. You mentioned at the very end of this tweet, I'm going to ask them to please tell the Cardinals not to sign my guy, Kyle Schwarber. You can't have him. What are you saying here? Why can't the Cardinals have Kyle Schwarber? He'd be a nice fit here in St. Louis.
8: That's the point. (laughs) That's the point. You guys, you guys know that I grew up in the Chicago area and uh, I, I assume that, up to this point that uh, your listeners knew that I I grew up a North side fan. So I know that he had a bit of a down year, but he's got a terrific eye at the plate. He's an outstanding teammate and he works his tail off. And I, I just don't want the Cardinals to have my guy. He went to Indiana where I went to school. Like I just have so many connections to Kyle Schwarber, he was my favorite Cub for several years. I still think about that moonshot home run he hit against the Cardinals in the playoffs. So just, no, just, just leave him alone. There's plenty of other fish in the sea. Go ahead and grab somebody else because I don't want the Cardinals getting Kyle Schwerber. Purely personal reasons. <laughs>
5: right, Benny, do you have anything else on the scouting report? Because <laughs> John Mosellock is an avid listener of our show. And the more you talk, the more you're selling him. Inadvertently, you're actually selling him to a Cardinal Nation right now.
8: Yeah, uh, so so, Mr. Mozelek, like if you are listening, Kyle Schwarber, I've been told, I, I can't confirm it, uh, likes to uh, have about 30 bonbons after the game. He just doesn't seem to work out. Um, he's just, eh. like, there's, there's so many other guys. Like, think about the guys that are in just great shape, like, best shape of their career. Like, Kyle Schwarber was that... Five six years ago. Where is he now? I don't
5: know. Not there. He played
0: on my team. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he can come out here. He can get his shape in uh, in St. Louis. They're all they're all about the sports science now, Heiss. So that's that's a perfect sell for them. We're talking to our guy, Vinny Heiss, here on one hundred and one ESPN. All right, Ben. Um, we typically talk a little bit more on the gambling side of things, a little bit more on the pick side of things, but. It's a weird week for fantasy football. And so for most people, at least I know for my home leagues, I'm doing waivers tonight. So Mm -hmm. for anybody that is putting in their waiver claims tonight, who are the top guys that like if you if you still have some fab or if you got the top waiver priority? Is there anybody this week that you're looking at that you're saying, okay, this is a must add if he's available in your league right now?
8: Believe it or not, one of the guys that was actually second in target share over the the handful of weeks that he had been playing and playing well was Miles Gaskin with the Miami Dolphins. He was getting run in the passing game. They were using him effectively as a runner as well. Um, And he just kind of went away because he got hurt and he missed some time. Uh, He's going to be back this week most likely, and every indication is that it's going to be uh, a really solid matchup for him. He continues to see volume, as I mentioned, in the passing game this week. So I, I think he's somebody that I really am a fan of. I think he's probably going to be available until about 40% of leagues. And so Miles Gaskin, if for whatever reason is still hanging around, go ahead and snatch him up. The other guy that I really like this week, um, it's probably a little bit more difficult to find, but he is still available because he hasn't done much up until last week, is T.Y. Hilton with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, normally we think about Hilton, we think about somebody that is going to be terrific at home, Uh, but he's on the road in a dome against the Houston Texans who have been bottom five, Uh, against opposing wide receivers all season long he had his best game of the season Philip Rivers has actually been surprisingly good in the second half and kind of looking more like the Philip Rivers that we've seen over the last few years uh, without turning the ball over so I actually think he's in a really good spot this week against the Texans and somebody that could actually pay dividends in the fantasy playoffs over the next few weeks as Indianapolis continues to take some more opportunities down the field
5: all right, so you, you brought me right to my first pick'em here. As you know, we've got the Pick'em challenge and we're playing against uh, the Rizzuto show down the hall. We're currently uh we're down eight to four. They're they're leading us. We have to run the table here to even tie, but it leads me back to the Colts game against the Texans. I for whatever reason, my brain is having a hard time just picking the favorite here, which is the Colts. I feel like the Texans have been making some some nice progress down there. But again, Phillip Rivers, like you said, is playing pretty good football. A- am I crazy to even
8: entertain the Texans on this one? I don't think you're crazy considering that they are playing some of their best football of the season, but it hasn't really been against ideal competition for you to be able to, to measure it up. Yeah, they had a nice win against the Patriots, but the Patriots have been up and down all season. Uh, and then you had a massive road victory on Thanksgiving against the Lions, and they got a little bit more time to prepare. I will say not having Will Fuller makes a substantial difference because now all of a sudden your number one wide receiver is Brandon Cooks. Uh, You mix him with Kiki Kute in the middle of the field. They're still missing David Johnson. We'll see whether or not he's able to go this week. Uh, And Deshaun Watson has just been playing terrific football. But the Colts defense, despite the fact that they're missing some guys in the middle on that front seven, uh, they're going to get a few more guys back this week. Uh, We've seen the line move uh, to about three and a half in favor of the Colts on the road. So I, I like their defense to bounce back this week. The Colts need to get themselves right uh, after a two game skid. And I think they'll do so against the Texans team uh, that despite playing well over the last few weeks, I think we'll come back to earth this week, especially with no Will Fuller.
0: We're talking to Ben Heisler of Sports Illustrated here on 101 ESPN. Heis, another big game this weekend. Maybe the best game of the week, in my opinion, is Browns versus Titans. I don't know when the last time was that I could say that about a, t- a game that those <laughs> two teams were involved in, but... Both teams come into this at eight and three, both view themselves at least as legitimate contenders in the AFC. Which side do you like in this game? And as kind of a little bit of a follow-up question, if the Browns win, do we have to start taking them seriously?
8: (laughs) I mean, right now, Vegas isn't really taking them seriously. They're, They're both eight and three going on the road. Uh, in an empty stadium and the Texans are still six point favorites across most sports books so I'm not really sure how to measure that to be perfectly honest with you Baker Mayfield obviously has been uh, very hit or miss throughout the course of the year they got Nick Chubb back which adds another dimension to their running game Jarvis Landry had a really good week last week Um, and they're, they're incorporating more of the tight end especially in the red zone so you know Cleveland's done what they've needed to do to get wins but they've also been pretty terrible against the spread over the last handful of weeks or so. So I get the reason why Tennessee is where they are. And you know, think about it from this perspective, too. They Their defense has been a bit of a mess so far this year as well. But uh, on an offensive side of the ball, they're scoring at will. Derrick Henry continues to uh, look like the fantasy MVP that we saw over the last two seasons had another outstanding performance and should be in line for a really good matchup against the Browns. But I, I think what's even more intriguing is the, the Tennessee Passing game. I think Ryan Tannehill going up against a Brown D de- a Browns defense that may not have Denzel Ward, that may not have Greedy Williams. Like there's there's some guys in the secondary that are missing this week, and I think Tennessee should be able to throw all over them. So while Cleveland might sell out to try to stop Derrick Henry, I think this could be a big week for Ryan Tannehill. I think AJ Brown has been sensational after the catch. Uh, and don't forget about Corey Davis as well, as somebody that is averaging 23 yards per reception. Over his last two games, so I, I like Tennessee to win this game. I think they can probably cover that six points as well, but I would imagine it'll be close just because of how Cleveland likes to run their offense with so much in the running game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. All right,
5: Benny, last one I have for you in a straight pick'em. It's not the most interesting game by any means. Probably won't be all that interesting. It won't be exciting, but still, nonetheless, a tough pick'em. The Lions and the Bears. Obviously, the Lions fired Matt Patricia. And the Bears, well, they need a quarterback like any more than anybody in the league, probably at this point. I'm just I'm sitting here. I want to go with the Lions, but I'm on the fence. Uh,
8: I will tell you that I'm taking the Bears not because it's a homer pick, but because historically since and then again, I know Matt Patricia isn't there, but it's still the bulk of his coaches that are left. It's still the same defensive system still daryl bevel calling the calling the plays uh the bears have actually been terrific against the lions in fact mitch trubisky has put up the best numbers of his career against the detroit lions to put it in perspective if you're looking at DraftKings points per game seattle is allowing the most DraftKings points per game to opposing quarterbacks which is right around 27 points per game trubisky is averaging more than 28 per game against the lions over the last two years like mitchell friggin (laughs) trubisky so He's in line for a bounce back game this week. I think the Bears offense can start to put themselves together. Mitch is at the point where he just doesn't really care. He knows he's not going to be back in Chicago. so He's (laughs) he's taking more chances down the field. The Lions are going to play the same man-to-man defense. We're not sure if Kenny Galladay is going to play. Uh, I I like Chicago to win and cover the spread at home against the Lions team. But yeah, no more Matt Patricia, and I think that'll help long-term. But uh, the Bears are, are so desperate right now that I think having this type of matchup especially with Matt Nagy calling out his entire team, including the defense after that pitiful performance against the Packers. I do think the bears are good enough, especially with their defense to cover the three and also went outright.
5: All right. Heis, I'm going to go with risky Trubisky and the bears here. So the pressure's <laughs> out, buddy,
0: ton of pressure. I'm feeling it. Final quickie for you. Heis, we got about 30 seconds here in the NFC. Who's your favorite to come out of that conference right now? I mean, we're, we're 12 weeks into this thing. Who do you think is going to make it to the super bowl out of the NFC?
8: If Seattle has truly changed and fixed up their defense, I like them to come out of that division. I think Russell's going to play a lot better. Uh, We've seen the emergence of Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's still there. They're still going to run the ball effectively with Carson, but if they're now generating pressure on the quarterback, That changes everything. It allows Jamal Adams to be a much better safety. He's also generating pressure. Um, I I still think the Saints are a bit of a mess, and I'm not sure which Trooperies we're going to see. So I like Seattle. I also think Green Bay is going to be in the mix as well.
0: They also have a nice schedule down the stretch as
5: well, if you want to look at it that way I like the Buccaneers, Penny.
8: You know what? I don't think that's a crazy pick. They have a really, really easy schedule down the stretch. I think the narrative on Tom Brady at the end of December is going to be vastly different to how we're talking about him now.
0: Heiss, always appreciate the time, my friend. People can find your work over at Sports Illustrated. They should give you a follow on Twitter as well, at Benny Heiss. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We look forward to talking with you again next week.
8: All right, gentlemen, talk to you soon.
0: You got it. That's Ben Heisler joining us here on 101 ESPN. What's the game you're struggling with the most right now, Jamie? Like, as you're going through our Pick'em Challenge, what's the number one game that you're like, ah, I don't know about this one?
5: That, for me, it was the, the, the Texans-Colts. I really, I was struggling with that one, and I know it sounds like it's an obvious choice based upon, uh, you know, how the Colts have been overall, but. Again, you're looking at a Texans team that's kind of feeling the flow right now. You know, they've got uh, Deshaun Watson playing better. Now, Fuller being out, that will make a difference for them. And I had forgotten about that. I don't even know why I forgot about that. But (laughs) that's going to make a big difference for them. But that's the game there. And also the Rams and Cardinals. That's the one that I'm struggling with. I look at Kyler Murray. I know he's nursing a shoulder. His vibe hasn't been all that fantastic lately. But, you know, you look at Jared Goff, and we talked about how he's hit his ceiling And I just don't know if he's got any more to give. I did, however, go with the Rams in this one. I think that they'll be able to control Kyler Murray. And I think that a couple of big hits on him early might make him start thinking about that shoulder. The
0: one other game that I'm really interested in watching on Sunday, um, because I don't know how it's going to go, is Patriots versus Chargers. Yeah. I think the Chargers are the more talented team but we have just seen so many times this year they're the more talented team and then they find a way to lose and if you're going to go up against Bill Belichick i fully anticipate he's going to have a significant coaching advantage going into that one and he always makes young quarterbacks melt down so i'm a little worried about Justin Herbert going up against his defense even though the patriots haven't been great on that side of the ball this year
5: another thing too is now that the patriots have won too much to get that you know that top draft pick now they're looking at the playoffs, and they're just on the outside looking in. I would expect Bill Belichick to bring everything to the to that game and make sure he wins and, like you said, make the young quarterback see ghosts out there and not know what the heck he's doing.
0: So speaking of doing some winning, the Cardinals hope to do that next year. What would you prioritize in free agency this offseason? We know they're not going to go out there and get uh, some super stud, right? But as you're going into these bargain bin shopping districts, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the player that's got the upside, or are you looking for somebody that brings a little bit more certainty to the table? We're going to talk about that coming up next on
2: 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
3: favorite guy that's available that the Cardinals should really take a look at is David Dahl. He played for the Colorado Rockies last year. He was an all-star and then he got hurt. But before he was hurt, I- I'm telling you, he looked like one of the top 10 players in the game. And yes, oh, so Colorado skews things offensively, but this is a formal first round pick. You are what you are. He's had a hard time staying on the field. He's worth the risk, if you ask me. So that was
0: Greg Amzinger earlier today. Character and Smallman interviewed him. Character and Smallman, you can check out their full podcast page, 101ESPN.com or the 101 ESPN app. It's all presented by I Promise. So he says David Dahl is the guy that he would go after for the Cardinals. And I get it. There's upside there. He's a guy that has untapped potential because he was just hurt more often than not with the Rockies. But a former first-round pick, just 26 years old, the Cardinals would have an extra year of club control because they have his arbitration rights for next season if they were to sign him to a one-year deal. And when he's been healthy, he's been really good. An 830 OPS in his career with a 500 slugging percentage. That's a guy that clearly, if healthy, could help their lineup. Jamie I wanted to talk with you and Ferrario about this because I think the Cardinals are going to have two basically um, they've got two different categories that they're going to put their free agency options into and most of these guys are playing either third corner outfield or DH to be able to improve the offense and we look at these names I think about half of them fit into the high upside category where it's a little riskier. Maybe it's because they've had some down years. some some of the guys, in particular David Dahl, it's because of injury questions. Those guys fit into the upside category. There's also some players that are more certainty. You kind of know what they are. Eddie Rosario is like the poster child of this. You know, exactly what you're getting whenever you sign him, but it's it's good. You almost are left wanting a little bit more, though. And so as you're looking at some of these players, I'm curious for you guys, where do you stand right now? What would you rather see the Cardinals go out and acquire? Would you rather them go for that upside player like David Dahl or maybe a Jock Peterson or or maybe Kyle Schwarber kind of fits into that category as well, or more of the. You know what you're going to get. I'm talking Eddie Rosario, Carlos Santana, uh, Jonathan Scope. You know what those players are going to be, but the upside might not quite be there the same way.
5: Okay, so where I am now is I've flip-flopped all over the place in the last week. (laughs) Emotions are running high right now. No, but I'm back. I've circled back to Justin Turner. I know it's crazy. I know. (laughs) Where did that name come from? Well, I've been thinking about, again... Circling back to Austin Dean. No, no, no. I've been thinking about a non-outfielder in a position that the Cardinals could actually use, and that even if they kind of platoon him with a Matt Carpenter, Matt Carpenter plays third base. Yes, he's not a gold glover. I get it. But those two, if they're, you know, interchanging at some point where DH third base, DH third base, I think he makes a lot of sense. And all these other guys make sense, too. Don't get me wrong. And and, and David Dahl here has been the guy that looks like we're kind of stuck on right now. We Mm -hmm. agree. I think he would be a great addition. But I also look at Justin Turner and go, he might be more than a one-year guy. He could be. And then if you have that bat in the lineup and you have all this money coming off the books and you go to add one more piece to it and you already have this guy, well, heck, now all of a sudden you've got three or four, maybe five bats in the lineup that make you feel pretty good about it. The only thing with
6: Justin Turner is, one, his age, which, I mean, he's well, still not producing. I'm going five-year deal on this guy. No, like but two
5: he, max. I, I
6: understand. but but 36 next year, so by the way. So you're bringing in an older guy, which health is always a thing when it comes to that. The other thing is he's a third baseman. And I think what you need right now, if you are the Cardinals, is versatility in the infield. Without Colton Wong, you don't have an everyday second baseman. I know you got to play Matt Carpenter. You got Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond's a better third baseman, though. And if you are going defense, is your think priority plan
0: for him. better than Matt Carpenter? Oh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I think he might be better suited at second.
6: I, I think right now, which on your roster, he's your best third baseman defensively. I don't think he's going to play
5: third base.
6: I, well, that's what I am saying. If you can get, if you can keep him at third and find yourself somebody who can play second base, who can play third base, who can play shortstop. So Tommy Edmund. (laughs) Yeah, another Tommy Edmund, (laughs) but with a little bit more power upside. And that's why I still go back to Jonathan Scope. I mean, it's a guy who can get on base at a high rate compared to what most of the players on your team. He strikes out, yes, but he can hit 30 bombs, which he did in 2019. And he's a guy who runs the base as well. Defensively, he's efficient. He screams to me, Cardinals, but you're going to be paying at least $5 million for him, and I think that's too rich for the Cardinals' blood.
0: See, I think that's kind of the market that they're probably going to be spending in. You guys both went the route, and I'm a little surprised by this, honestly, given given the players that we've talked about. You guys both kind of went certainty. Because Justin Turner, by signing him, you know exactly what you're getting I whenever you sign what Justin Cardinals Turner. that's the Cardinals need is
5: knowing exactly. Well,
6: and that's the Cardinals, too, is certainty. Like, you got to go with
0: that. Yeah. The funny thing is, I actually agree with you. I think that the route that I would prefer is the certainty because you still have uncertainty elsewhere with upside. Tyler O'Neill has some of the same qualities that we're talking about from some of these guys, right? Like,
5: if you will look at Jock Are you Peterson, trying to sell me this used car again? No, I'm it's saying that. It's gold glove winner, Tyler O'Neill. It is. I'm you, saying that I would car- prefer if you said that every single time, please. The Cardinals already have upside baked
0: in to their current roster. They've got Tyler O'Neill. They've got Lane Thomas, who they still think has untapped potential. Harrison Bader, they seem to think, still has untapped potential. We know Dylan Carlson does have untapped potential. And there's potentially all-star status there. So when you look at some of these other guys that are out there, okay, now I want to get somebody that I know what I'm getting every day. I want to get an Eddie Rosario that's going to bat 270 for me and is going to include power in my lineup. There is no question about what he's going to be. He's going to bat fifth every day in my lineup, and I'm going to feel good about the fact that he's batting fifth every day in my lineup. I would rather go that route. Now, if Justin Turner is in their price range, Give me him over all these guys. Yeah, and I think he's going to be a little bit too much though, because on ESPN, they have been projected for about thirteen and a half
6: million dollars yeah. per year on a two year deal. and that's, the Dodgers will pay that whatever they need to bring him back.
5: That's more than I'd be one. I'd be looking at the ten million dollar mark. I think i I would be very interested. And to your point earlier about tommy Edman, if you if you're so set on moving him to third, then you can move Carpenter to second. He's played there in the past and then you could platoon those three guys. I know you'd like to give Tommy Edmond a solid spot so he gets used to it, but if you're going to have a, a guy like Justin Turner as your DH, but you'd like to get him some reps in the field, then I think he automatically goes over to third, and Tommy Edmond slides over to second, Carp becomes the DH for that game.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see Justin Turner. I, I think he'd be a fantastic fit. He kind of fits into that same range that I talked about earlier with Michael Brantley and Nelson Cruz where – if they are in their price range that they both, they all three bring upside with that certainty because the upside is that they have that certainty. There are already 300 hitters that are going to hit for power as well. All three of those guys. I would love to have them in the lineup. I just think it might be a little pricey for their blood. Unfortunately with Jamie rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. What are the fatal flaws? for the Super Bowl contenders out there right now. Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com wrote about some of them earlier today. I'm going to ask him which of these NFC teams has the smallest fatal flaw, and so he feels most positive about picking them to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. We'll do that with Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs
2: and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: Blue Superstar Defenseman, Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario and I am Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Very happy to go out to the Brown and Croupin celebrity line. Bill Barnwell, football writer, over at ESPN.com. You can give him a follow on Twitter at his name, Bill Barnwell. Always enjoy having him on the show. Bill, thanks so much for hopping on with us today, man. What did you make of the Wednesday matinee football game that we were able to enjoy yesterday?
1: Hey guys. Yeah, I um you know, it was pretty sloppy and I think that was probably par for the course. Uh, it was fun once. I don't think I'd want to do it every week. I like having some Wednesday afternoons to so not sit there and watch, you know, uh, the Ravens third string quarterback plays <laughs> against the best defense in football. But uh, Hey, once in a while, sure. Why not?
0: So I did want to ask you a little bit of a follow-up on this because listen, it, it was a strange week that everybody was affected by COVID uh, all, all of those disclaimers aside. 19-14 Steelers against some of the third stringers for the Ravens. That that was a little disappointing in terms of the Steelers' performance in that one. Mm-hmm. And they really haven't been tested a lot this year because they've had such a weak strength of schedule this year. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the Steelers right now? Are, are they truly the clear-cut second-best team in the AFC, or are they a little bit of uh, a sheep in wolf's clothing right now?
1: Yeah, I think it's tough to say because you look at the teams that they've played who have actually been good. You know, Tennessee, that game came down to a final drive. It was 27-24. I know the Steelers were up early, but uh, Tennessee was able to make a comeback. Um, You know, I I think the Steelers are a very good team. I think they have the upside to be a great team. And I think you saw when they blew out the Browns, maybe the Browns aren't all that great either, but, you know, are going to be a playoff team in week six. That was kind of what they can do when everything is is sort of working at the same pace. But um, I think week after week, you sort of look at the Steelers and you sit here and say, Hey, you know, good. Sure. Very good. Even maybe sure. But very rarely do I feel like they're as dominant as the Chiefs, uh, even as Tennessee in a different game. So to me, I, I think, you know, over the rest of the season, it's the still not tough. It's Washington, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Indy and Cleveland, um, you know, some competitive teams there. But I want to see them blow out a really good football team at least once or twice over the rest of the season. to really get getting sense that they are, you know, maybe right there with the Chiefs among the best teams in the AFC.
5: Yeah, Bill, that's kind of what I wanted to circle back to here is the top three for me in the conference are the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Steelers. Mm -hmm. But I think the Chiefs are a runaway to win this conference and represent in the Super Bowl. But I'm looking at the rest of the field, and I'm thinking that the Tennessee Titans could be their biggest obstacle in getting there. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. I wrote about it today for ESPN.com. I wrote about the... uh sort of the kryptonite, you know, the team you'd want, you'd want to avoid if all things are possible. I mean, the Chiefs can beat the Titans. We saw it last year in the postseason. Not only did Tennessee beat them in the regular season in 2019, but also, you know, gave them a, a tough time in the playoffs. We're up uh, by 10 points in the second quarter of that game before things kind of went south. So, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are a better team for sure. We look at the Chiefs' weaknesses, I mean, obviously, their uh, run defense is the weakness of that team. I think they're very happy saying, okay, if you want to run the ball fine, you know, you're not going to score very much. We're going to score it well on offense. But uh, Derek Henry is a little different than your average running back and your average running game. Hmm. So um, I, I think that's the team they would want to avoid. I think they'd rather play the Steelers in the AFC Championship game than they would the Tennessee Titans.
0: Uh, Bill, as somebody who grew up in Kansas City, is a Chiefs lifer fan, uh, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. I want no part of the Titans in the postseason. I don't want to see that those linebackers try to tackle Derrick Henry. I don't want to see mm-hmm. those corners try to defend A.J. Brown and a, a big play mm-hmm. would almost certainly happen. And just as somebody who's seen enough of these Titans versus Chiefs games. I fully expect something weird to happen, like Marcus Mariota catching his own pass and Ooh. running it in for a touchdown in the playoffs. <laughs> I want no I want no part of that team in the postseason.
1: Yeah, and I mean the Steelers are a great team. I don't want to take anything away from the Steelers. I mean, they're a you know, they have an incredible defense with a losing budget pre, uh, one of their edge rushes for the season with the twenty ACL is obviously gonna hurt. But I mean that defense can take over games, but you know, I, I just when I watch the offense, you know, the the numbers are fine. Office burger looks healthy, but i I just don't get a sense that an offense is dominant you know where are the big plays where's the effective running game where's the um you know the consistency I mean they have guys who make plays and so you have, like, you know, Chase Claypool doing great stuff and Juju Schuster does what plays. I mean, they have guys who can do things, but just from drive to drive, I don't get that same sense that, you know, you're terrified to play them the way you are with the Chiefs or even with Tennessee.
0: We're talking to Bill Barnwell, football writer for ESPN.com. He's joining us here on Rivs and BK. Bill, you mentioned that earlier today you wrote a piece about the kryptonites for each of these teams, kind of the fatal flaws or the potential fatal flaws and which, which opponent would best be able to expose those Let's go over to the NFC because right now I'm looking at that conference and it feels wide open to me. You got the Packers, Saints, yeah. Bucks, Seahawks. I think those are kind of the favorites for everybody. For you right now, who do you have the most trust in that they will get to the Super Bowl? Because I feel like they're they're kind of all relatively even. But who do you trust the most right now out of those NFC contenders?
1: Ooh. That's a good question. You know, I, I would maybe say the Packers, which sounds strange to me. I, I think I was someone who was on the Bucks. Uh, before this really rough stretch. I want to see what happens coming out of their bye because I think they're sort of at an inflection point and they have to figure out whether they want to keep doing what they were doing on offense and kind of see if Tom Brady... On that offensive line can coalesce and be more comfortable in that offense after the bye or if they're going to make changes and maybe be more of a a, a quick strike quick game offense get the ball out of tom brady's hands not get him hit as frequently because that's been such a problem for them uh, throughout the season i think they have to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of the year this week and we're not going to see that until next week unfortunately because they have the week off but um i'm skeptical of tampa now because the offense is really struggling with seattle i'm skeptical of that defense i, I just Think they are a mess. I think they're going to look good in the next couple of weeks because they're playing Colt McCoy and the Giants and Sam Darnold and the Jets. <laughs> but I think in, in the playoffs, I'm going to really be hesitant to kind of trust them. And with the Saints, I mean, the defense is phenomenal, but we don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. I mean, Drew Brees is dealing with you know a crazy amount of, of, of fractured ribs, and I, I think he was playing very well before the injury. I think it's crazy that He was able to do that with, you know, uh, eleven broken ribs or, or eleven fractures in his ribs or whatever they were saying. I mean, it, it's nuts, but um, you know, it, it's going to be tough to ask him to do that again into the postseason. So, um, Ken Case and he be that guy. He's looked okay so far, but I mean, obviously, they were playing basically a, a farce of a game last year <laughs> against the Broncos given the circumstances. I want to be rude towards Kendall Hinton, but I mean, that was you know unfair to put him in that circumstance and it wasn't a competitive game because of that, but. You know, I, I think with the Packers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is very consistent from week to week outside of maybe the Tampa Bay game. Um, the defense, you know, they have playmakers. They kind of run me the Chiefs a little bit in terms of they, they have a great pass rush, they have a, a secondary that can, you know, create takeaways. My concern is just, you know, they have to find the right matchups. The, the, the They faced the Niners last year, and the Niners just ate them up uh, both times they've played. So if they can get the right matchups throughout the playoffs, I think they're the team that I would maybe kind of lean towards trusting the most uh, in the NFC in January.
5: All right, I want to head out to the, to L.A. and the Rams, okay, because this is just my opinion on this one. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Jared Goff has kind of hit his ceiling as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the opposite of that is I think Sean McVay still has a lot to give as far as offensive creativity, But he's I don't want to say he's stuck with Jared Goff, but he kind of is Jared Goff. He he kind (laughs) of is stuck with Jared Goff. How do the Rams work their way through this to where Sean McVay, obviously a very offensive minded coach, but it's kind of got a ceiling or a cap on it because Jared Goff, I think he's at where he's going to be for the rest of his career.
1: It feels like it, right? I mean, you know, he's not he's not a, a young guy in the league anymore. He's been there five or six years. He's not like he's, you know, someone who's emerging. This is what he is, and it's been for a few years. He's been consistent. He can be incredibly accurate and look really great at stretches. I mean, he, he, his upside is phenomenal, but we know we're not going to get that guy for 16 games out of a season. We're going to get him for three or four weeks at a time at best, but he's going to have those games where he looks totally overmatched, like the Dolphins game like the Niners game last week where he looks, you know, where he's the problem with that football team. And I, I think there's maybe two things you can do. One is that maybe you, you sit there and you sort of hope, okay, we'll make it to the postseason, and he'll get hot for three or four games. You've seen Eli Manning get hot for three or four games. Joe Flacco get hot for three or four games. I think Jerry a little better than those guys, but um, you get hot for three or four games. Hey, you got a shot. And Jerry could do that for three weeks or four weeks if it's right circumstances. But i think the other concern is maybe you take some of the load off jared goff maybe you run the ball more maybe you try to get him in more advantageous situations early in games so as um, the rams always say they're a very um physical football team they want that to be their identity when you look at what they actually do on paper or when actually what they actually do when they play the games they're not a physical aggressive football team they're a pass first football team That's fine. But I think running a little bit more might take some of the load up Jared Goff and might not put him in situations where he feels like he has to be has to be that sort of like, you know, hero or, or playmaker and not make the same mistakes he makes in those games where he really does collapse and really struggle.
0: Final question that I've got for you, Bill. Uh, I, I love your work that you go so in on, th- uh, not just <laughs> the here and now, but you look forward to the future as well. And you look at a little bit more of the minutia that maybe some fans aren't always aware of. So mm-hmm. as you look across the league right now and we kind of project forward to the offseason, what do you think is going to be, if you were a prospective coach looking for your next gig, and you're one of these hot names that kind of has your pick of which team you want to go to, what would be the roster that you would want to go to? What's the team that you think would be the best potential opening out there this offseason?
1: You know, it, it's not what I would have said a month ago, but I think it's Easton. And I know that they have no draft picks. I know that they don't have a lot of money to work with because they spent so much money over the past couple of years. I know that Bill O'Brien has sort of – made a lot of mistakes with that roster, but you have to Sean Watson and that guy is playing out of his mind over the past four to six weeks. He has been absolutely incredible. He's been best quarterback in football to me over the past month and a half of the season. And you know, losing goal forward is going to hurt. Um, they are a team that's going to have to make some changes over the off season. Don't know what the coaching situation or GM situation is going to look like. But if you're a coach, I would, I would, I, I think as a GM. I pick somebody else, but as a coach, I would say, okay, you know, Deshaun Watson is a guy I can't. I would be lucky if I got a quarterback as good as Deshaun Watson. Even with Matt Ryan, even with Matt Stafford, even if I drafted Trevor Lawrence, you know, Deshaun Watson is a, a guaranteed superstar quarterback. And I think, if you're a coach, that's what you start with. You can hopefully figure out the rest, uh, depending on what you do with. You know, whether you're a defensive minded coach or an offensive minded coach, you can kind of find your solutions elsewhere. But you can't manufacture a superstar quarterback. Same thing we're seeing with the Rams and Jared Goff. I mean, Sean of a genius, but. That offense with Deshaun Watson would be incredible relative to what they have with Jerry Goff, quarterback. So I'd start with Deshaun Watson. i start with the Texans. i figure the rest out later.
0: God, I hope they get a good coach down there. I, I, Arthur yeah. Smith, uh, Eric me, whoever the offensive guy is, I can unlock a few things for him for just easy completions. God, it would be awesome to see it. Bill, always appreciate the time, man. Really good stuff today. We wish the best to you and your family, and hopefully we'll talk with you again soon. Yeah, thanks guys Stay safe. absolutely that is bill barnwell joining us here on 101 espn i'm sure there's some in our audience jamie that heard him say hey over the last six weeks i don't think there's been anybody in the nfl that's played better at the quarterback position than deshaun watson yeah. it, it, it sounds kind of you, you hear it and you're like uh, patrick mahomes has been pretty good aaron Rodgers has been pretty good since bill o'brien was fired deshaun watson has played seven games In those seven games, he's thrown for 2,100 yards, 18 touchdowns, and two interceptions. He's added another 250 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Over a 16-game season, Jamie, that would equate to 4,800 yards passing, 41 touchdowns, five picks, and more than 500 yards on the ground. He has been unbelievable. And this is with basically one guy to throw to in Will Fuller. He's out, unfortunately, now because he took steroids, apparently. I was a Um, mistake. But Deshaun Watson's the guy. That that is why you go to Houston if you're a prospective coach.
5: So begs the question, ultimately, buy or sell Romeo Cronell as the head coach for the Houston Texans?
2: Let's dive into that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: For RIO, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into a game of buy or sell. And Jamie threw out the first one in the last segment. The Texans are probably the most interesting team when it comes to, okay, who's going to be their next coach? Because you start out with a true franchise quarterback, a guy that we've seen play at the highest possible level. So, Buy or sell, Jamie, Romeo Cronell, given the way that we've seen the Texans play. They've won three of their last four games. They were kept kept it close in that monsoon of a game against the Browns. Buy or sell. Romeo Cronell deserves a shot as the head coach of the Houston Texans.
5: Three weeks ago, this would have been absolutely easy. And everybody was dogging on Romeo Cronell. They're like, ah, he's just a stopgap. You know, whatever. Yeah, he's coached before, but he's not the guy. But look what he's done. And you just gave us the numbers for Deshaun Watson. Yep. He's literally tearing it apart in the in the NFL right now under Romeo Cronell. I don't know if you look to move on or do you look to build a better staff around him? You know, so I, as much as this is crazy, I'm going to buy Romeo really? Cronell as the coach. I am. I'm going to buy that because... It, it now, obviously, it depends on the couple of weeks ahead, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if the team continues to play well and play better and come up with a couple of victories that they maybe they shouldn't, maybe they beat the Colts this week, you never know, then that'll increase his chance. Or if they're just awful, then obviously we know what's going on. But I do think that Romeo Cornell as the head coach could be a good thing, but you give him a good supporting group that really help him, maybe some youth as far as the coaching staff goes, bring in good offensive coordinator, somebody who could really bring out the best in Deshaun. So I'm going to buy that.
6: I'm selling on this. Look, and I I want to go for this. I've seen it in action when Craig as takes over and takes a team to the cup, but you got to go track record. And Romeo Cornell has got, like, what, two victories in his NFL career as a head coach? Yeah, he Before was, Houston, he's got four now. Well, yeah, four now. But he was, he was he my coach it. in in Kansas City, and it didn't go. He's, he's just—I I think he's one of those guys that looks great at the time for a, for a short span, and you got to know these guys are going off of adrenaline too because the coach got fired and because the former coach effed everything well, five up. Five weeks is enough—a long you know, time of. Adrenaline. I'm just not in on Romeo Cornell as a head coach for these guys. I think they need somebody young. I think they need somebody who can kind of inspire some of these guys. So I'm selling on this one. Their wins are against
0: the Jags, the Patriots and the Lions. Listen, I'm certainly not somebody that's going to. um, If you're the Texans, a win is a win is a win. And you'll take it right now. Right. Like it it doesn't matter who it's against, but. Wins like that are not enough for me to be convinced of Romeo Cronell, who we've seen in the past what it looks like when he's the head coach, to convince me that that guy should be your head coach. Now, if they beat the Colts two out of the next three weeks, if they beat the Titans in week 17, okay, now now you're having a different discussion, but I think that tells me more about Deshaun Watson than it does about Romeo Cronell. And it shows me that, okay, we're going to have the best candidate, whoever you think that guy is. They'll probably want to come here to be the coach of that guy. And so I'm going out on the open market. Arthur Smith's the guy that I've been talking so much about the Titans offensive coordinator. He's put together a masterful job with that offense and what he's done for Ryan Tannehill and Helen Henry. I would love to see him down in Houston. So that, that would be the guy that I would target. Um, I am selling on Romeo Cornell as their next <laughs> BK head coach. BK
6: did say that those teams that the Texans have beaten, they're not real NFL teams. That's and what basically he, did say. he
5: tried to say that.
0: <laughs> more or less what I said. Buy or sell, boys. <laughs> Taysom Hill. We have now seen two games of him as the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. In those two games, he has thrown for a combined 310 passing yards. He has yet to throw a touchdown, but he has rushed for four of them, and he has thrown one pick. He has an 82 passer rating. Buy or sell Taysom Hill as the future starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints after the first two weeks. Okay, so
5: we're identifying that it's at quarterback, right?
0: At quarterback. Yeah, I'm selling
5: this guy doesn't do it for me I'm telling you I watch him he's super gifted athletically there's no doubt about it he's built like a truck he's like a DK Metcalf out there as a quarterback seriously correct me if I'm wrong he's built like a truck like he he's he's le- huge yeah legitimately could be a tight end in the NFL but he's not a quarterback I watch him in the pocket and he's bouncing all the time on his feet and it just like he's just not set uh he really truly looks like Looks like a guy that plays a wildcat Offense he doesn't look like a Quarterback so I think it's kind of telling too That he's never thrown a touchdown Pass in the NFL I think it's kind of Telling that when they get into like any kind of a red zone Situation they're like yeah we'll probably Not let you pass we're gonna just or have you prep, run Brees into the game like, come yeah. on. <laughs> Whatever right yeah so yeah Now I'm selling on this one I think He's been adequate I think they've had Two fluff games for him um, as they go on in the season, if Drew Brees doesn't come back, that team's in trouble. I'm selling on this, too. Uh, Taysom is under-throwing guys. He's
6: overthrowing guys. I don't think he hit one guy in the chest in their last game. And you could tell Alvin Kamara was getting pissed off. Michael Thomas was getting pissed off. Well, Kamara's been non-existent now with Taysom Hill. That's because Taysom does the running. Because he does all the run. yeah. He's not involved in the passing
0: yeah. game anymore. Alvin Kamara oh. isn't. I mean, last week MVP Latavius
5: We're talking about and now he's not even getting the ball. Latavius
0: Murray throw. outsnapped Alvin Kamara last week. Which is a it's joke. Insane.
6: Which is a joke. So I'm selling on this. I just don't think he's the right he's a he's a secondary weapon for a team that likes to use multiple quarterbacks, but he's not a he's not a starting quarterback.
0: I'm totally with you guys. We can sweep this one. I'm selling it as well. Taysom Hill's just not the guy. He's an overqualified number two quarterback, but he is not. A, he's when he's your starter, you're always going to be looking for the upgrade if he ends up being your starter. And with the money that they're paying him next year, I think it's like 16 million dollars. That's not even a deal anymore. Now you're looking at it. You're like, it's expensive. He's probably one of the five or starters in the league in terms of being a starting quarterback. He's 31 years old next year. Oh. I just, I don't understand what the, what the upside is by going this route. So I'm, I'm totally selling him him. backfield with with Drew
6: Brees last week. So maybe they're like, you know, Mr. Miyagi or something. I doubt it. Last one for you guys. Let's go over to the baseball side
0: of things. We've been talking all day about the non-tender deadline. There's a few interesting candidates out there. We've talked about David Dahl. He was the surprise, the outfielder from the Rockies who got non-tendered. You've got Eddie Rosario out there now. You've got Kyle Schwarber buy or sell boys the cardinals will give serious consideration to bringing back waino and yadi and adding one of those non-tender guys that we've talked so much about yadi waino both back and adding one more player from the outside to be able to improve this offense buy yourself
5: i'm selling i'm selling i don't think that that's in consideration at all right now for the cardinals i think that the Baseball operations staff is going to look at it And they're going to have one of two things To present to the fans when it happens Is, hey, look, we brought back Wayno and Yachty Therefore, we're focused on the group that we have And continuing to develop And see what we have For moving into next season and if they don't bring back Wayne or Yachty, then they say, look, we we had to make a choice. We had to improve our team. And so we went outside and, and brought somebody in. But it, that being said, we could only bring back one of Wadi. 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 <laughs> that, that should be their their, their name, right? Wadi. Wadi. Anyways, Yachty or Wayno So that's, yeah, I'm selling on that. Jamie, you got to learn to look for loopholes and things. I'm trying. Because BK said,
6: take serious consideration. I'm buying They'll take serious consideration into it. Not going to do it. They'll take serious consideration into it. No, here, if you're, Yachty is the the number one choice for these guys still. And we all can agree upon that. Wayno's probably number two on that list. But if you're bringing back both of those guys, they want to win. Yachty has made it clear. And the Cardinals way to say, look, we'll, we're going to look into this market and see what's out here. Maybe it is just a David Dahl who's making $2.6 million next year, and you could bring in a bat that helps a little bit. Maybe it is a Schwarber who would take less money. But if you're bringing back Yadi and Ueno – you gotta be selling these guys
5: on We're gonna actually compete here to bring in Some type of bat to help out See I think if you're selling Yachty on we're gonna win You are talking about the following year That's why we're giving you a two year deal Yachty Because the following year hopefully you get to go out On top or pretty close to it well, that's why I don't one, think they're worried about
6: Wayne. That's why one of these guys can be one of those series helps Not just for this year but next year so I'm buying on this
0: I think I'm selling because I think if they go out and add one of these guys, it's as Jamie said, they bring back one of the two. They'll bring back either Yachty or Wayno, not Yachty and Wayno, not Waddy. And then they add in Rosario as the, the other player to help the lineup. So I think I think they're going to add somebody externally to improve this offense. I just don't know how you go about this offseason and not Add somebody to clearly improve the offense if you're John Mosey Luck. I think they'll do that. I don't know if it'll be somebody that convinces this fan base that it's going to be all improved, but I think they add. And I think it will be in lieu of one of those two. Either Yachty leaves, he decides on his own, I think I can win elsewhere, or Wayno ends up pricing himself out of the Cardinals market. I think one of those two things happens. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm
2: Brandon Kylie. We're going to cross things over with the fast lane coming up next. Back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: He's Jamie Rivers. He's a former Blue Superstar defenseman. Played for a few other teams as well. Twenty. A few. Once had 100 <laughs> points in a season. He's an incredible hockey player. A couple in That's Russia. Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We're crossing things over with the fast lane. Anthony Stalters in studio with us. Stoltz, how you doing, bud?
7: Boys, if I were any better, I'd be Alex Ferrario. Let's be honest. Hell yeah.
5: Wow. <laughs> Hell yeah, Anthony. Wow. So, Anthony, I got a question for you. Yes, okay. Sir. Our good buddy, Tanner Hendrickson, better known as T-Bone, around here. Um, He likes to dabble in the gambling a little bit, put some money (laughs) on some games, and he looks up to certain people for certain bets or advice regarding, you know, his his financial future. We'll put it that way. And uh, apparently he's been disturbed for the last handful of days because he says you told him to bet on the New York Jets.
7: Well, that was a bad decision. <laughs> I told him to bet on the je- against the Dolphins, I'm assuming.
5: Yeah, but I yeah. just want like was this a joke use the term gambler <laughs> fallacy did, did is you is guys have a side me. bet saying i bet 20 bucks that i can get them to put money on the jets hey, no. Staltz,
0: you know the the jets have not won a football game this
7: year <laughs> have you seen
5: adam Gates?
7: <laughs> i, I have i do i do know that the jets haven't won a football game i, I also know that they've covered i think three of their last four games the reason why, I don't know, I don't remember the conversation I had specifically with Tanner. Maybe he maybe he read an article I wrote or something like that. I, I did like the Jets against Tua Tungvaloa and the Miami Dolphins last week. Now, Tua was ruled out, I believe, on Saturday, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the starting quarterback against the Dolphins. It was more of a play against Tua and taking the seven points with the home dog of the Jets, who had been playing well, and Sam Darnold was back, so... That that was my thought process on that one. I mean, I understand the the viewpoint of why why the hell would you take the Jets, but I was betting against Tua.
5: Okay, but Anthony, I'm sure that as soon as you realized that Tua wasn't playing, you picked up the phone and called Tanner and said, <laughs> no. "Switch that back." You know right? what, Jamie? This is trash. You're putting my man on the
6: spot here, Scalter. <laughs> this is trash, buddy. Well,
7: what's funny is I don't. Again, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't I don't remember advising Tanner. Oh, this to is what James. they all say. Yes. This yeah. is how they all Tanner's say a it. liar. I can't
5: remember that <laughs> evening in question. Stop. I
7: I've, I've turned into who is it, Roger Roger Clemens who said uh, I I misremember <laughs> or I don't remember whatever he said. You're not here to speak about the past. <laughs> is
5: it Michael that Irvin, I don't liar. know nothing about nothing. Calm yeah. down. Calm down. Yep.
7: Yep. So I I uh, Tanner, I apologize if you're listening.
6: No, don't apologize to him, Stultz.
7: I don't remember having that conversation with him.
6: <laughs> He said it on Friday, too, when we were filling on the fast lane, me and T-Bone, T- and we were going through our picks on the segment, and he said, I want to take the Jets on this one. And I'm like, what the
5: hell? Tanner said <laughs> something about this world of gambler fallacy? I don't know. Yeah,
6: well, the the
7: gambler the gambler fallacy is <laughs> that it, when you're, let's say you're at a roulette table. And obviously, you know, obviously you could bet red or black mm-hmm. on the table. Pretty standard. Always green, sure. stalls. So always oh, green, there you go. Double zeros. So the <laughs> so let's say let's say red comes up ten times in a row. So you start betting black because the idea is, well, it can't keep coming up red. That's called the gamblers fallacy it can come up red another 10 times before it goes to black right? it, it, it's that's the thing. same
0: odds on the next one that it was on the yeah, last one it's exactly. 50 or whatever 48 forty-eight, two uh, every time
7: right so the, the the gambler's fallacy was that was my comment one time to ron's because ron said something to the effect of well they can't keep losing or they can't keep winning and i said look that's that's a gambler's fallacy you of course, they could keep winning. Of course, they could keep losing. It can come up red 52 times. It could be a- absolutely an uh, improbability, but it could. So that's the, having that gambler's fallacy is you're you're expecting kind of the the next thing to go opposite because there there was a string on red or a string on red on black
5: well i'll tell you what anthony the uh, the text line here always full of great advice from the 314 anthony you just got to get you a fall guy that's all
7: <laughs> words to remember anthony i'll be your fall guy yeah, that was Alex that gave that yeah, information to, to Tanner. There you go. Me. Good yeah. teammate,
0: Alex. <laughs> well, right. so it's what's coming up today on the fast lane, my man?
7: Well, we're going to talk, obviously, about the non-tender deadline. I know you guys have been spending some time on it as well. No John Brebia contract, no Ravello contract. Nothing really surprising. But now, of course, you've got the names of David Dahl, and you've got the names of Eddie Rosario and Kyle Schwarber. So do we see the Cardinals being interested at all in them? And speaking of our guy Chris Ranji... He committed one of the cardinal sins when it comes to sports betting and oh, he did it right at the end of the show. And within I think it was less than five minutes, he was proven wrong. And we're going to get to that as well.
0: Well, we're looking forward to that, man. And uh, I, I maybe it wasn't a surprise to you, but it was certainly a surprise to this show that our guy ron hell ravello is no longer going to be with the cardinals it was a sad day we had the funeral form earlier today so if you missed that check it out 101 espn.com the free 101 espn app you can also join in on the holiday spirit by contributing to carriker and smallman's 12 days of t-shirts fundraiser for the little bit foundation donate at least 25 dollars online between now and december 14th and you will receive a complimentary 101 espn t-shirt as a gift for your donation you got 12 days to donate 12 days to score that free 101 espn t-shirt with a donation your $25 donation helps the little bit foundation provide a backpack of school supplies to a local student in need huge thanks to our presenting sponsor massage lux find all the details and make your donation to our 12 days of t-shirts fundraiser now at 101 espncom for jamie rivers and alex ferrario i'm brandon Kylie. 101 espn coming up next is the fast
2: lane we'll be back tomorrow at 11 hmm You've been listening to the Rivs and BK Podcast, powered by I Promise.